does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Good Tuesday morning to the city of Indianapolis and everyone out there. I've got a friend on a flight to Vegas right now. Can you imagine going was, to Vegas on a Tuesday morning? I was just talking to, to our co-worker Sean Copeland about Vegas literally five minutes ago. Really? About Sean Copeland, a frequent Vegaser? No, he said that um, we were both commenting on the fact that neither one of us... I mean, I think anybody enjoys Las Vegas for you know maybe a day or two, but he and I were both saying, like, by nature, we're not quote-unquote Vegas guys. Is your buddy going for work or just going for the rest of the week? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'd be my buddy if he was going for the rest of the week. I'd probably have to kind of look at my uh, priorities in life. But no, I, I believe it is a work conference with that. But uh, again, good Tuesday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, and Mark Dykton. I would say a much different start to this Tuesday just with any sort of uncertainty about the roadways. Uh, it was a breeze coming in this morning. Definitely chillier, uh, but no precipitation in the forecast a whole lot to get to on today's show you know whenever the calendar is about to turn to february it's like oh yeah um major league baseball is gonna get ready to start again and tucker barnhart's wearing a different jersey he's he's making the midwest tour he's making the right wearing the right jersey eh, I, I beg to differ um cincinnati reds for the detroit tigers now to the chicago cubs so tucker barnhart what is he about a week out mark before heading to arizona uh, just about yeah uh, for pitchers and catchers, and he will join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Jeremiah Johnson at 8.30. Again, it's a quiet start to the week for the Pacers, but yesterday, quite the celebration of Miles Turner and his contract extension, so we'll chat with JJ about that. Uh, some Colts news to get to. More offensive-minded coaches on the interview list for this week. And Jake, I think kind of an odd one on the schedule tonight for Indiana. And I don't know, to me, I guess Maryland maybe falls more into it than Rutgers. And maybe that's because Rutgers has had like Indiana and Purdue's number to a degree. But every time I see Maryland on the Big Ten schedule, it's still kind of weird to me. And then you throw it in at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. And then you throw it in right before Purdue on Saturday. Is this a trap game? That it's just such a weird thing to even say, but it kind of has that feel to me about it. Well, the thing about Maryland is, and I use an underdog, so I, I don't yeah. Even I mean, the thing about Maryland is like we haven't talked about them a lot this year, but I mean they're they're good. I don't know that they are Indiana Purdue level, but they're but they're solid. I mean they're solid, right? You've got a, the right side of the bubble right now. Yeah, j- just barely. Like, you got to pay attention to him for sure. We'll have some comments about Trace Jackson Davis from Maryland that are very interesting. Um, In a positive light or negative light? Positive. Okay. Trap game is a good way to say it. I know that that's kind of a cliche, but it's a pretty darn good, I mean... And credit to Indiana for playing as well they have the last two weeks for it to even be labeled as that. Again, I still find it weird that I'm even saying it. Uh, Last I saw, it was two-and-a-half-point underdog. Basically, Maryland's season has gone like this. Outside of getting smoked by UCLA at home, they win their home home games and they lose on the road. Now, they haven't really played anybody in the Big Ten of substance at home. Obviously, they're very competitive with Purdue up at Mackey a little over a week ago. Um, But that's the 9 o'clock tip. And for Indiana, I mean, we saw it earlier this month at Illinois. They shot it terrific there. 
but the road games have been the question here in the Big Ten, just shooting it away from home. So um, it's something they've done very, very well this season. Maryland does not shoot it well from the perimeter, but that'll be something to watch for tonight. Um, anything fun and exciting for you last night, Kevin, or Mark, either one? You know, when I this time yesterday I had my shirt on inside out, and usually when that happens, it's just you just got to call it a night, kind of <laughs> early on Monday. Yeah, that that was uh, now now I yesterday I'd forgotten. So for those that weren't listening yesterday, uh, where were you, it, Kevin? You left and you came back in. And you said, "Oh, my shirt was on inside out." How did you discover this? Oh, error? on the YouTube camera. Uh huh. Okay. And yeah. then I'm like, wow, there's no lettering on that side of the shirt. I could have sworn there's some lettering on the front. I'm like, I have an optical illusion on this Monday. And then the other thing we've realized is just our two and a half year old daughter just owns the house. I just runs the show. She's like, I mean, you know how dominant Chris Jones was to end the game on Sunday for the Chiefs? That I feel like that's what Rosie does too. Really? Maddie and I. Oh, she just owns us. Does she know it? Oh, yeah. I think she even said that at one point. Really? My wife laughed. I cried. <laughs> Mark, do you have this issue with your daughter? You have three of them, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I just feel like I'm on a leash, Mark. Yeah. Do this, do that. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Just get me to bedtime, right? Speaking of yesterday's YouTube stream, we're getting told that, Jake, you're repeating your clothes. I have the this, same outfit? Well, it's a sweatshirt. Oh, okay. People, sweat- people observe like that? I guess. I, I'm flattered by that. Yeah, I showered this morning. I will say that. But no, this... I did change shirts. I have a, and I appreciate people noticing that. That's actually pretty flattering. It kind of looks like a jailhouse outfit, so that's probably why. Um, (laughs) This is a Roots sweatshirt from Roots Canada, which is my favorite clothing store. Uh, But it's just a hoodie, so I just threw on, I threw it on on my way out because I knew it was going to be cold this morning. Anything for you last night? No, I actually, um, I had a brutal tutoring. I mean, my tutor is fabulous. Uh, Math tutoring session, and then. couple of things to do i was so tired yesterday so i got a i got record query sleep i'm basically an insomniac by nature so i got record sleep last night it good fantastic. rem it was fantastic i even showered this morning and then apparently put on the same sweatshirt well i think my shirt is on right side out right side in don't, don't know the proper terminology there it's on correctly i believe to start this Monday morning. So Fair enough. We, we are starting the day better than yesterday. Um, Colts, again, some offensive names showing up on the interview list reportedly for this week. Uh, Shane Steichen, the Philly offensive coordinator. He is the lone play caller of the group. So if you look at the list of names left, the only one that calls plays currently in the NFL is Shane Steichen. Uh, he's with Philadelphia. And then Brian Callahan, a name that you guys have heard me talk a whole lot about over the last couple of months, that would be the Cincinnati OC. He reportedly will be, I think, Wednesday, I believe I saw, um, on the interview list. I assume the Colts would go to Shane Steichen. I mean, he is getting ready for the Super Bowl. I think you would maybe go to Philly for that one. Brian Callahan, of course, the season over for the Bengals. So, Jake, I think that was a question people had. Where are the offensive names? There are two right there. And interestingly enough, they have great quarterback backgrounds, each of them. But the one big difference is Steichen calls the plays and Callahan doesn't. And I think you can look at that one of two ways. Uh, in a positive light for Steichen, clearly he handles a great amount of game day responsibility for the Eagles. Nick Sirianni entrusts him for that. At the same time, you bring up the name Sirianni. He didn't call plays here in Indy, and he had a whole lot of success in Philly so far. And Brian Callahan 
obviously comes from that side of things right now and the fact that he does not call plays. I have seen this sentiment a lot, Kevin. And I haven't necessarily gone there or introduced it on this show or I don't think you and I have discussed this a lot because I've kind of felt like everyone naturally assumed it. But but maybe that's unfair. Maybe we do need to, to uncover every stone here. So let me throw this at you. I've seen more of the observation or the opine from writers that cover the NFL that the Colts coaching search is taking the length of time that it is because Chris Ballard is trying to emphatically show as many candidates as possible to walk Jim Irsay off the ledge of the inevitability of Irsay wanting Jeff Saturday. That that feels very speculative to me, but at the same time, it's one it's a speculation that I thought most people naturally assumed. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's. It, I, I certainly have felt that trend from the national media as well. I, Jake, I hate to I hate to say anything with confidence about Jim Mersey because he's a very unpredictable human. But I truly believe this. I believe the longer this goes, the worse it is for Jeff Saturday. I think that's fair. And if you were to ask me right now, will Jeff Saturday be the head coach of the Colts in 2023? I would say no. Now, again, it's Jim Mersey, so I don't feel some massive amount of confidence with that. But that is where I'm at right now with this. Um, Again, we'll get more to Steichen and Callahan. If you look at Steichen's quarterback background, Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Three very good quarterbacks. Three very different quarterbacks, styles, ages, etc. Steichen and Rivers are still extremely close to this day. Um, So when you think about football intellect and all of that, certainly Rivers holds him in high regard. For Brian Callahan, uh, spent almost a handful of seasons with Peyton Manning in Denver. He is the son of Bill Callahan, for those curious out there, the NFL head coach, Nebraska head coach, although I don't know if he wants that on his resume. Uh, And then Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr as a position coach, and obviously most recently with Joe Burrow. I think something that I would like about Callahan, and I thought this was a Frank Reich issue. And by the way, we've seen Frank Reich hire some assistants that could have some Colts impact. We'll get to that a little bit later. I thought something Frank Reich was too accepting of, Jake, was he was too accepting of the personnel Chris Ballard gave him. Show me the ingredients in the kitchen, and I will make what I can with those ingredients and not demanding specific ingredients in the kitchen. Interesting. Brian Callahan, he is, if he leaves, he's leaving, I would say, arguably the best skill group in the NFL. You can look at that one of two ways. You can look at it and say, well, that kind of means his coaching didn't really matter. I mean, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins just do that on a right. week-in, week-out basis. He also is going to come here and I think look at Chris Bauer and say, you need those skill dudes. No question. If you want to compete. Any coach would say that at this point, right? And again, Callahan you know, witnessed it firsthand. So I think that would be a positive aspect to him in potentially influencing a GM that, admittedly, his words, not mine, although I agree with him, and I've probably said these words before, that has been a stubborn roster builder here over the past half dozen years yeah the the most glaring thing to me about the Colts you know years ago I worked at channel six like a lifetime ago great job loved it loved the people I worked with loved all of it 
and we had a period where the news director, and for those that are unfamiliar, the news director is the boss, right? The person that oversees the whole newsroom. It's the head coach. We had a period for about, it wasn't a year, but it was darn close, where we had no news director. One news director had left for another job, and they were interviewing candidates and whatever else. And those of us in the newsroom, now I was pretty far down the, the totem pole, so I'm not saying I was necessarily part of the leadership of on-air people, but we just kept kept on kept keeping on, right? And it was funny because that was the best ratings book we had done in like three years. We had no news director. Everybody just focused in and did what we had to do. And we, we loved it. It was great. We actually found like a camaraderie in having to band together. But I remember thinking to myself at that time, I, I know that we need a news director, don't get me wrong. And I know the Colts need a head coach, don't get me wrong. But the roster and the personnel is kind of what carries a lot of that. And it's very important for the Colts to get a good head coach and a guy that people are going to play for. I get all that. But you got to have a roster. And you got to have people that are willing to just band together and say, let's do this regardless. And for the Colts, you need playmakers desperately. And I know that that you get tired of hearing about wideouts. But you know, Kevin, and I will give Chris Ballard a lot of credit in this regard. Without saying so, Chris Ballard, and I don't know if it was out of necessity. I don't know if it was an act. I'm going to give benefit of the doubt and say it was not and that it was genuine, it was heartfelt. But at Chris Ballard's end-of-the-year press conference, he basically sat up there and said, you know, there were a lot of areas where you guys were right and I was wrong. Or just the fans in general were right. You know. And through the course of the postseason, the things that we've harped on that the Colts need have been illuminated as things that the other teams have. What does Cincinnati have? What what does Philadelphia have? What did Philadelphia get in the offseason? What did they go out and, and get more of? Wideouts. Playmakers. Guys in space. You know, the, the things that, that for some strange reason the Colts have tried to avoid forever are the things that are most showcased in the postseason, right? Yeah. And you know what? I, along with wideout, Jake, I throw in tight end. Absolutely. If you look at the final... Absolutely. You look at the final four teams, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey... Dallas Goddard, Hayden Hurst. Yeah. The first three names, probably the top three of the top five tight ends in the league. I think Hurst would find his way into some top ten list. Uh, and the Colts didn't even sniff that from their tight end group this season. And the loss of Jack Doyle was really felt. So we'll see how we'll look in the mirror that was for Chris Ballard. Uh, Miles Turner press conference, Jake. Any thoughts on that? You know, the fact that they had it... Um, shows that John and I talked about this yesterday JMV when I was on with him and I really think it comes down to this it's a win-win for both parties because for Miles Turner a two-year deal allows him to then enter into free agency in the year that the new TV money comes in and the cap is going to balloon and for Indiana it gives them they they kind of buy themselves two more years to figure out exactly what it is that they want to but I've said forever they like Miles Turner. They want him to be here. They didn't totally close the door on if somebody all of a sudden offers a blockbuster deal moving Miles Turner. But I think it just goes to show that 
there are many projects within the Pacers in figuring out the future of the franchise in terms of their personnel, and this allows them to get one of those projects taken care of. Yeah, I saw a report yesterday that um, said the Pacers wanted an additional year on that contract, which I found a bit interesting. Um, in my opinion, it's best for Indiana. The contract is only a two-year extension because it allows you to maneuver a little bit, doesn't commit yourself to Turner necessarily, again, a little bit closer to that age 30. I think the shorter deal keeps him hungrier to to chase that next payday, and if he's hungrier, he's obviously going to try and play at a really, really high high level. And, you know, we had this conversation a little bit about Zach Eady yesterday, you know, the, the shock of smart comments from earlier in the year about, I mean, Eady just brings such a joy and has such a passion. Like you, you usually have to kind of uplift big guys. You usually have to kind of plead with them to bring the energy on both ends of the floor, and and you know stamina can be an issue. All of those things. I think Turner is a pretty self motivated big guy, and his contract, and the fact that he will be a free agent in just two off seasons, that would also mean he's going to be pretty self motivated as well. I mean, he is absolutely bullish that he thinks there's more in there. Um, you can argue that, but if he believes that, again, he's not going to just throw in the towel on these next two years and be like, oh, yeah, I got my payday. Right. I'm good. Um, I found this interesting. It was, who was it? Was it Jacob? Dustin. Dustin wanted to throw a uh, pop quiz question okay. at us. Um, so Dustin and I went back and forth on the question to answer, so I already know it's so all throw it at you. The last Pacers draft pick to be extended for a second time in his Indiana career. So the last Pacer draft pick to get a second contract. Correct. Now when when you say extended a second time, you mean to get simply contract number two or to get two extensions? Two extensions. Of? So you got your rookie deal and then you signed two extensions after that with Indiana. Okay. Um I let me ask you this. Did this player play within the last fifteen years? He did. Dustin thought it was Rick Smith's, by the way. My first thought My first thought actually is Tyler Hansborough. Ooh. But I don't know if he got a second. But but I'm thinking he might have had like two one year deals. That that would be well, my first guess. I, I picture Hansbro. I just picture him shooting off the side of the back for, backboard. No, the I, I hear series. you. Uh, my first thought was Granger. Yeah, Granger's a good guess. Jeff Foster would be another one, but he wasn't drafted by the Pacers. So the answer I'm is looking at Hansbro. Yeah, Hansbro is like a bunch of one year deals. That's what I mean. I thought yeah. he had like two one year contracts. Um, he, he, we thought, um, Foster. Foster was not drafted by the Pacers though. Does it count trade night? But wasn't he traded on well the draft night? Technically speaking, you said the so Pacers would, draft would Hibbert pick. qualify? Or was Hibbert a trade night guy? Uh, he was also, Hibbert was, I believe in Hibbert's case, Hibbert and Brandon Rush, if I'm not mistaken, came here together on a trade with Portland if I'm not mistaken, you'd have to. I'd have to look it up. But I know that Vontigo Cummings was drafted on draft night by Golden State uh, by the Pacers, and Golden State drafted Jeff Foster, and they were traded later that evening. And wasn't there like a first? I feel like there was a first round pick involved. 
That may be right. And Foster was a great player. Well, then you probably have to go back to, to Smith. If, you, if we're going to get trade night technical, can you think of anybody else? Granger just missed out on it, by the way. Was Granger not signed to a second deal? He signed a huge extension. Um, but then, was it Clippers? Was that the next stop he had after that? No, he was traded to the Sixers, remember, for Evan Turner and yeah. LaVoy Allen. Yeah, he signed a five-year extension after his rookie deal. Okay, Tyler Hansborough. Yeah, he, he signed as a free agent with Toronto after his initial deal, so I guess that's right. I thought he signed two one-year deals. but If you eliminate the draft night trades, you might have to go back to Smith's. Yeah, that may be right. I mean, I can... Well, what about Dale Davis? I mean, Dale Davis was since Smith's. This yeah. is great radio, I realize. Basically, it, it's just kind of a reminder of, again, in this market, it is just massive that you draft well and succeed. But it's hard to do. It, it, that, that's what people fail to realize. Like It's hard to do. It is hard, but you look at the winners, especially the small market winners, and they do that. Um. And I'll give credit, you know, I mentioned this yesterday, I will give credit to Turner. I mean, there is, the Pacers have tried to move on from him. They have, I mean, hell, just less than a year ago, they tried to move on from him. Um, And yet, he has been appreciative of his time here. I thought he handled yesterday's press conference really well. And I don't think it's just a given that former lottery picks that have been told by their franchise at various points that, they are moving him or listening to offers or they make an offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. A lot of guys get caught up in that ego and they'd say, see ya. Dale Davis, by the way, was with the Pacers for nine years before he was moved. So that that's but that's got to be. But I think Granger was close to that. Yeah. It all depends on that big first extension. Well, know, yeah, how long be, it is, right? You know, four or five years on that front. Um, so again, the Pacers, nothing until Thursday. They've got the Lakers Thursday, the Kings Friday. I know a popular thought, I think, for Pacers fans leading into Thursday night, Jake, is, oh, LeBron James is definitely sitting against Indiana, right? Isn't that what, like... Yeah, but he's sitting every game before that. I feel like a lot of Pacers say, or a lot of Pacers fans say that. Uh, he sat last night. They play tonight with the Knicks. Um, the team in LeBron's career, he has played the most games against. Say that again. The team LeBron has played the most games against in his career. Regular season games. Well, you got to figure all those Cleveland and Miami years. Um, I'll I'll say Indiana just because you prefaced it that way. The Indiana Pacers. Yeah. So I think we get into this. LeBron never plays against Indiana. Always sits out against the Pacers. I mean, you look at the other teams in the Central. He plays more against Indiana than he does Detroit. Milwaukee. Chicago, right? You know he could rest against those other central teams. I, I guess it all depends on because of the fact that now he's on a West Coast team. Indiana typically is either night one or night two of back to backs because of the travel. You're either going there, or you're coming home, right. On those Eastern trips, so I think that's where. Uh, but again, I, I feel like he's played a decent amount with the Lakers here um, in Indiana, so we'll continue to watch that. But the Lakers lose last night again tonight. They play the Knicks. Nothing on Wednesday for Indiana or L.A. So I think as long as LeBron is healthy, the Lakers need wins. So you would assume that he plays Thursday here. 
in Indiana. And as we mentioned, the Hoosiers back in action tonight, ranked 21st in the land. Is it still just Purdue and Indiana as the two Big Ten Illinois, teams Illinois, baby, cracking in in the top 25. Illinois got in there. I-L-L. I and I. Never forget those chants at the RCA Dome when Notre Dame beat them in the round of 32. <laughs> Back in 2000, you were ILL of hearing it. Oh gosh, that was such a great one for Notre Dame. Great win. RCA don't. Gosh, those, How about those this? viewing sites are horrible. How about this tournament. in the top 25? I'm going to present to you a little challenge here, Kevin. Before we get to the I think Missouri Marquette was the other game at the RCA Dome. Dwayne Wade. How about this? There are three teams ranked in the top 25 whose coaches all have Indiana connections, and they. When I say three, I mean in a row. Ooh. There is a trio of teams in the men's college basketball top 25 from yesterday. I'm looking at the coaches' poll. I got two quick guesses. Okay. Florida Atlantic and St. Mary's. Okay. Three teams that are consecutive in the rankings whose coaches have Indiana connections. Are those two of them? Well, I'll let you know when we come back for the... Morning check down. Jeremiah Johnson at 8.30 and at 9 o'clock. Tucker Barnhart, the catcher for the Chicago Cubs. Is it Mesa? Is that it, Mark? Yep. Spring training out there. It was a good year for the Reds. I wonder if Tucker got a... That's close enough he can keep his spring training home. Well, probably. I don't think the, the Reds signed anybody that's going to run it out. I don't think he's financially strapped. Well, I mean, like logistically are they close enough <laughs> right. for that to make sense okay. uh, he's going to join us at 9 o'clock Kevin Aquara here on a Tuesday morning The Morning Checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan Okay, so the men's college basketball top 25, the coaches poll. Here are the, and this was just off the top of my head. You ready? These are coaches with an Indiana connection. The number one team in the land. Can I throw in my third guess? Yes. Okay, so Florida, Atlantic, St. Mary's, and then I'll go with Alford and Nevada. Okay, good guess. Um, Purdue Purdue, the unanimous number one. 32 first place votes there, 21 and one, obviously, and they are the number one team in the country. Ahead of Tennessee and then third ranked Houston. Kelvin Sampson coached at Indiana, by the way. Fourth ranked is Virginia. Their coach, Tony Bennett's sister, coached at Indiana. There's an Indiana tie. Uh, 11th ranked, Baylor, Scott Drew, obviously from Indiana. 15th ranked, Xavier has Sean Miller coaching them, whose brother coached at Indiana. 18th ranked is St. Mary's and Randy Bennett, whose dad was a high school coach in Indiana, and Randy lived in Indiana as a kid. 19th ranked, Clemson, Brad Brunell, native of Evansville. And 20th ranked, Florida Atlantic. Coached by Dusty May, Indiana native. So there's your three. You got two of the three. Pretty good. St. Mary's, Clemson, Florida, Atlantic. Uh, Indiana is 22nd ranked. Obviously, they have an Indiana tie. And then Auburn tied at 23rd. Bruce Pearl once coached at University of Southern Indiana. If that's not localizing national sports, I don't know what is. Kevin, big one for Indiana, though, coming up with Maryland, right? Tonight, the Terrapins of Maryland await 9 o'clock tip, two and a half point underdog in that one. Again, as we said earlier, Maryland has been good at home, bad on the road, really haven't beaten a whole lot of substance, though, in the Big Ten at home. And for IU, they've won at Illinois. The other road games in the Big Ten have been a bit shakier. Um, So an important one just to take care of business on the road tonight before Purdue coming up on Saturday. Over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse yesterday, no Pacers action. It was actually the Mark, day Mark, you were off. slowing the draw there. Everything okay at home? I was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, didn't get much sleep last night. Okay. Uh, the day off for the Pacers as they come back from 
um, having a road game in Memphis. But Miles Turner put pen to paper on a two-year extension. Here was the big man on continuing to stay here in Indiana. Still very surreal, you know. Growing up here, I spent my entire, you know, my entire twenties here, and it's uh, it's incredible, man. Just to still see the same faces, you know, at the beginning of my journey. I have such a strong belief in this organization, in this city, and um, what the city encompasses, and that's a huge factor in my decision to stay here. You know, KP said it. Uh, I'm just getting started, man. I'm gonna tell y'all right now. I'm just getting started. I'm starting to feel. You know, like the best version of myself, and the, or the best version of myself is yet to come. And I'm just leveling up each and every day. That's what I try to do each day when I get up. I say, you know what, I'm just going to level up today. Uh, Luka Doncic, by the way, 53 last night for Dallas, 111-105, their win over the Detroit Pistons. I, I was looking at a video of Luka Doncic, and I'm like, that guy just dropped 53 in an NBA game. Looks like he, he'd be playing at Lifetime Fitness and skipping the treadmill. Uh, Phoenix, Portland, Washington, Orlando, Brooklyn, Sacramento, who is going to be here this weekend, and Golden State, all winners last night in the Association. Yeah, Luca looks like let's hang out during Oktoberfest with Luca <laughs> Dacic. When we come back here, Frank Reich has made some additions, retentions maybe, to his coaching staff in Carolina that could have some impact on a guy that I think the Colts should try and retain on their cult on their coaching staff. We'll explain more and update you on where things stand as the Colts have another busy week with second interview candidates here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On a Tuesday. Hi, good morning to you. It is 21 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. And a pretty good looking morning, as a matter of fact. A little chilly, no question about it, but a little less precipitation than yesterday because so far so good looking clear on a Tuesday my name is Jake Query Kevin Bowen here as well Mark Dykton is the guy spinning the hits for us uh, you're the guy what is it from the stacks and wax the wax of stacks what is it they say in Stand By Me I, I don't know it's a 35 year old reference I, I haven't seen Stand By Me in that's probably a, 15 years that's a great movie was that's that a, a Miles Turner reference there on the coming back song yeah you're very good at that so very nice the, one of the one of the true underappreciated undertones on this program is your ability to play songs that are relevant to the sequence before. That's a that's a real trick in radio. That's my hidden I, genius. I, I do hear that fact. from from a lot of people, so I'm glad that that is being noticed. Um, Kevin, I've had a lot of people say this as well to me. Gosh, Frank Wright got a job before the Colts could find a coach, right? That narrative has been out there. Frank Wright now um, 
coaching in Carolina. Does that have any rippling effect on the Colts now in terms of who's going to be in the building on 56 and who isn't? So it was reported last night um, that Frank Reich is retaining two Panthers assistant coaches on his staff down there in Carolina. Those two coaches would be Chris Tabor, who leads their special teams units, and James Campen, who is their offensive line coach. So if you look at those two positions and look at the Colts staff, I think Bubba Ventrone is a guy that the new head coach here in Indianapolis needs to try and retain. Now, obviously, Bubba is, or was, a head coaching candidate. We've not seen his name mentioned for a second interview. Um now, if you're a Colts fan, you probably wish the offensive line coach, Chris Strasser, would have gone to Carolina, right? <laughs> I can't see a heavy demand in wanting to bring back Chris Strasser for your O-line. but um, So Frank Reich does not appear to be wanting or bringing, I should say, Bubba Ventrone to Carolina. And again, I think that's good news for the Colts because Ventrone, to me, is a little bit of a different personality than a lot of Colts coaches. I think, honestly, he's got a little bit of a Nick Sirianni vibe. To him, and I think he should be someone that this new um, coaching staff looks to bring back. So I'd say we'll, we'll continue to monitor what Frank Reich's staff looks like. You know, the Gus Bradley situation is one to keep an eye on. Um, I thought Zach Kiefer pointed out well yesterday that, you know, Gus Bradley, I believe, is under contract for one more year here, here in Indy. So that's an odd dynamic, and if some team wants to interview Gus Bradley for their defensive coordinator position, the Colts could actually deny that request um, because it's a lateral move. Um, Would Chris Ballard grant that? Would Ballard look at his new head coach and obviously let that coach decide who his defensive coordinator is going to be? Is there any way Chris Ballard is saying to head coaching candidates, we want to keep Gus Bradley here? I don't think like Gus necessarily earned that right, but Ballard is a huge fan of, I think, maintaining this defensive system, considering how he's built it. So I think those are all things to keep in mind. Because a guy like Ajero Evero, who the Colts interviewed last week, he used a 3-4 defense in Denver last year. The Colts obviously have had a four-man front um, since Ballard's second season here. Ballard's been a huge advocate for that. If the Colts change defenses... Everybody's on the table to be moved. How, Everybody is on the table to be moved. Do you know that there's a, a Wikipedia page of famous Bubba's and Bubba Ventrone is not listed? Really? Yeah. Only a matter of time. I mean... Did they not been, watch Hard Knocks? Yeah, there have been some great... Bill Clinton's nickname was Bubba. But like Bubba Wallace, Bubba from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, obviously... James Stewart, the motorcoaster, you know, motorcoaster, uh, Bubba, Bubba Watson... I mean, there have been a lot of famous Bubba's, but I would think Bubba Ventron, you're a coach in the NFL. You should qualify, right? Oh, just look at his hair when he played. Oh, unreal. Bubba, no. Um, what coaches, Kevin, we, we discussed this yesterday, but this is of interest. I, I find this interesting. In the possibility, I'm not saying the likelihood, but the possibility that some of these Colts head coaching interviews are actually guys that Chris Ballard after the fact looks at and says, you know what? I really like that guy. And I I, I don't know that, that Jim Mercer would hire him as the head coach, but maybe we talk to him about trying to pluck him away as a coordinator. And I don't even know if you can do that. You know, oh, I don't know. Sure. Well, well, I mean, I, I know that you can, but you know, I don't know what the protocol in terms of like league teams and talk, but, but I mean, Evero doesn't have a job. 
Right. You know, and he, he, so he was one you mentioned. Staff. So what? Which coaches do you think it's possible that this is a kind of a, a buy one get one on the interview process for them? Yeah, I put Evero defensively, and then offensively, I'd say Eric Bieniemy. And that's it. Because I wonder if you could I mean, say like Mike Kafka with the Giants. Why would he leave the Giants situation? Um, obviously, guys like. Shane Steichen, why are you going to leave right. the, the, the Eagles? Unless you know, it's, you know, hey. I don't think the Colts have all of a sudden some attractive situation to where, hey, come work with Justin Herbert. You know, the Colts don't have that well, here. That's, that's the other thing, Kevin, that that to, is of, I think, worth looking into, and that is, I don't think we've talked about this. How appealing is this job? I think it's more appealing than people... I mean, I know that a head coaching job is appealing, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously you have the Jim Irsay cloud that hangs over you. You have a little bit of an awkward dynamic in the length of time the GM has been here. But at the end of the day, you've got a top five draft pick. You've got some pieces on each side of the ball. You don't have a ton, but you've got some pieces. And you're in a decent cap situation. And you're in a division that I think has optimism from other teams. you got one team moving in the right direction, one team stagnant, and but one team going in the wrong direction. still the AFC South. Like right. It's not like you're walking I mean, Jacksonville's into... going in the right direction. Houston or Houston is starting where you are, and Tennessee looks to be backpedaling. Now, right? again, I think there is optimism in the AFC South. More than there has been in recent years. Because think about it like this, Jake. If, you, if D'Amico Ryans becomes the Texans head coach... If you were a Colts fan right now, you would probably sign up for any of the three coaches in the other AFC South teams. Right. When's the last time Colts fans have said that? Now, Mike Vrabel, Doug Peterson. You know, the the, the only division... D'Amico Ryans. Right now, if you look at the NFL and you are a coaching... If you're a guy looking for a head coaching job in the NFL, the only division that would seem to be more wide open for you than the AFC South would be the one Frank Reich's going into. Yeah, the South stink. The two Souths, yeah. I mean, the NFC South. I, are you afraid of New Orleans, Tampa, or Atlanta? No. I mean, good Lord. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC South? Oh, boy. Um, Assuming Brady's gone. Hell, you could even argue Brady I, in there. P.J. Walker? I, is Mariota even under contract anymore? Free agent. I mean... <laughs> That's a good question. Sam Darnold? <laughs> Desmond Ritter. Man, it is a chilly start. Yeah, Desmond Tuesday Ritter. It's a nice-looking uh, morning outside. It, it does look really nice outside. So for this week, again, J- last week, the second interviews, reportedly Jeff Saturday, Jero Evero, Raheem Morris, Wink Martindale. This week, Rich Bisaccia, I believe yesterday, that's a special teams coordinator. He's the Raiders interim when they made the playoffs last year. Shane Steichen, the Philly OC, and Brian Callahan, Cincinnati OC. Jake, the names that interviewed originally that we have not heard from in terms of second interviews, two guys have pulled out of these searches. That would be Ben Johnson, the Lions offense coordinator, and Dan Quinn in Dallas. The three, or I guess the four names that did interview originally that we have not seen on the second interview list. Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator of the Lions. Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs. Mike Kafka with the Giants. And the name we talked about just a few minutes ago, Bubba Ventrone with the Colts. And the first 
this sounds weird to say, of the second interviews, the first one to conduct a second interview was it was Saturday, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, Rich Basaccia, to me, I kind of like. Doesn't I, he look like Chuck Pagano a bit? He looks like a kind of a, a heftier version of him, right? A little Italy mafia. He, <laughs> okay. He, there's actually a guy that goes to my gym that he looks exactly like that throws me for a curveball every time I see well, a picture of him. But It's a unique last name. You might as well um, introduce yourself. But he did, I thought, a pretty good job in the Raiders under a, cir- a, oh a difficult God, circumstance, a right? Job. I mean, seven and five amidst all the issues. I mean, how many guys do they have arrested? The John Gruden resignation. They win their last four games last year to get in the playoffs. And they've really had chances to beat Cincinnati in round one in that wild card game at Cincinnati. And that, again, was without Devontae Adams. Um, I know people will laugh at this, Jake, but if you look at the recent interviews and the candidates, I kind of split them up into two categories. This week, you've got the offensive-minded guys, Shane Steichen and Brian Callahan. That is one element to this coaching search that I think is a big, big factor. Finding the offensive mind, pairing that guy with the young QB. Jake and Rich Bisaccia's case and Wink Martindale's case. And again, I know this is a cliche phrase, but it is a phrase that Chris Ballard and Jim say love. And that's leader of men. And I get it's cliche, and I get it at times so cliche. it is overblown, but when we're trying to sit here and say, what are Ballard and Ursay looking for? That phrase matters. Here's the thing. Though. And that is that is Rich Passaccia, Jake. So if you like him, that's, that's the reason that you like him. No, I get because it. Because in a chaotic Raiders situation, with the coach resigning, guys getting arrested, tragic car accidents, that guy came in there and he led. I feel like leader of men has replaced there are always these phrases in sports that pop up and then all of a sudden you hear them everywhere. Like for a long time there it was high motor. Every player had a high motor. In basketball every player's long. They're long. Coaching now and technically speaking if you're a head coach in the NFL aren't you just naturally a leader of men? By definition aren't you a leader of men? The locker room is men. You're the leader of them. You're a leader yeah, of I guess, men. Are right? you poor or a good leader? Speaking of high motor I always am torn on this on the on the Bengals guy that got the penalty on Sunday, uh-huh. Joseph Asai. Yep, that's a two hundred and sixty five pound dude that showed great hustle on that play. If he was just lazy, he wouldn't have got there, and we never would have talked about him. You know, I always find this about like guys that jump high in the air and then drop a pass. Well, the reason they even got their hands on the ball is because they were an elite athlete and made that. Like, if they were 5'10", they wouldn't have been able to make that play. Kevin, do you realize the the hand-eye coordination or the instinctive coordination you have to have to... In the, and I get it. I mean, your job is to know. But to be able to know in that literally millisecond that you've got to pull... I mean, the entire time you're running full speed, you are running for one purpose and one person only, purpose only, and that is to knock that guy down. Now all of a sudden you've got to pull up at the very last set. You got to look down to see where your foot is and pull up at the very last. Set. I, I get it. I mean that's your job, and you've done it a thousand times. But I said this yesterday: the fact that he was so despondent to me shows me he's actually a pretty good teammate because he oh, cared. Yeah, I mean, he immediately knew the ramifications. He, he, he absolutely cared, as opposed to some guy that just you know. I mean, I was like, is he hurt or is he crying? Right. Well, I, he was hurt too. But uh, by the way. Do you know where Rich Bisacci went to college? Oh, gosh. This guy... I know that uh, Wink Martindale went to Defiance. Here's how I know know this Rich Bisacci is a genius, okay? 
He went to Yankton College. Boy, that's quite the name. Which <laughs> is that a dentistry school? Man. Huh? Is that a dentistry school? Yankton College? <laughs> no, that was a good one, Mark. Nice. So he went to Yankton College in South Dakota. Draw your own joke about what there is to do in South Dakota. And then, so he grows up in South Dakota, he goes to college there, and then he, let me tell you where he's coached. South Carolina, Clemson, Ole Miss, Tampa Bay, San Diego, Dallas, Las Vegas, and then now Green Bay. This guy basically clearly said, I've had enough cold weather in my life. I'm going to nothing but exotic locales to coach. Hell yes. Jake, we've had this That's deba- a leader of man right there. We've had this debate over the past couple of days. Is it more offensive or is it more leader? And if you look at the last four candidates, again, the two offensive names this week, Callahan and Steichen, and then versus Martindale and Basaccia. Martindale and Basaccia, we heard from Chuck Pagano a few weeks back, Wink Martindale is a little Bruce Arians type. And, again, I know it's cliche. I know people poke fun at it. But for Chris Bowden and Jim Ursay, I honestly think they would side more with leader, less with offensive-minded head coach. Here's what I want. When I look at great coaches... For the most part, I think of them as a CEO, just the guy that naturally allows people to do their thing. You know the buck stops with them. They provide a confidence and exude a confidence about them that people who have been hired to do a job are going to be able to do that job underneath them. If you look at great college coach, what Nick Saban, John Calipari, Bill Self, um, and you look at great pro coach, you know, I think the world of Eric Spolstra in Miami. I thought you were going to say they're good cheaters, Well, some of those names you mentioned. But they oversee everything below them, right? Kind of falls into that category. But, you know, Eric Spolstra, um, Belichick, I realize, is kind of a defensive-minded, like, you know, guy in the lab, and he's the best of the best. But just a figurehead that it is very clear that they are the one that is going to make the final decision, but they trust the two people on either side of the football that are coordinators to operate and do what they've been asked to do, and they provide the guidance to do it. That's what I want, is somebody that walks into the room. There are certain people that I've been around in my life. There are certain people that when you walk in, it's like that person just commands the room by exuding a confidence and an air about them that makes you feel like you are confident so long as you're in their presence and so long as they're in charge, everything's going to be running okay. Isn't that Jeff Saturday? If you were to ask Jim Irsay, yes. If you were to ask Jim Irsay, and I think Jeff Saturday would be the first to tell you that is who I am just allow me now to assemble my people below me so that it can trickle down as opposed to people I inherited. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that. I think that's what Jeff Saturday would tell you, and I think it's what Jim Mercer feels. Yeah, again, the only reason Jeff Saturday is even on this list is because of that leadership quality. So I, I fully understand that we can poke fun at it, but it's one that you have to acknowledge because 1,000% whenever this head coach is hired, that phrase or that quote – will be mentioned in the opening press conference. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson to talk Pacers. He's over the Miles Turner contract extension coming up at 8.30. By the way, we have a Pacer that reportedly will be returning, or I guess making his debut 
on Thursday against the Lakers that we can chat a little bit about. And I'm kind of curious if his stay here in Indiana won't be very long. We'll explain more here coming up. And Jake, you said that uh, there was an interesting comment from the opposing head coach that Indiana will face tonight? Very. And I think when people hear it and they live in Indiana, whether they like Indiana or dislike Indiana, they're going to have opinions on the comments from the head coach of Maryland. So we'll get into that as well. Seems like he was kind of doing our job, wasn't he? <laughs> I'm just telling and you. Kevin Willard, by the way, that was the name that we went over yesterday. That is the new head coach of the Maryland Terrapins. 8 o'clock hour on a very nice yet chilly start to this Tuesday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin and Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is actually a pretty good comment somebody just sent me. A very succinct way of saying kind of what we're talking about. Jake, the difference between responsibility and authority is that authority can be delegated while responsibility cannot. The Colts do need a leader of men type head coach. Again, that phrase to me is so tired. But who is wise enough to delegate the authority to the offense and defense to competent people while accepting the responsibility of seeing that both are run properly. That's a good way of saying it. I just think the whole like... my my My... Fatigue of the term leader of men, which I've only, I just began hearing that like a year ago. He's a leader of men. My whole thing is if you are going to sit and preach to me, and every franchise in professional sports, in professional sports, shares this thing in common. If you talk to people that are fans of the Arizona Diamondbacks, you talk to people that are fans of the uh, Edmonton Oilers, you talk to people that are fans of the New York Jets. All of their fans say the same thing. Well, the thing I like about our franchise is they really care, but they, they go out and they get players with character. They do it the right way, and they have they have good men in that locker room. Uh, okay. That, that's the most cliched thing ever. But if you truly believe that, and if you as, a, as an organization are, are truly following through with your pledge that character counts in the draft process and that you go with people that have good character and are good chemistry guys and good locker room guys, then you don't need a leader of men. I mean, you do, I get it. But what I'm saying is you shouldn't you shouldn't need a guy that, that the reason he's here is because he holds people accountable. Well, you just got done telling me that the reason you draft people is because they held themselves accountable. Which is it? That, that's that's always been my thing. Yeah, I think the leader of men, it's a tad overblown in the sense of you need some substance from an X's and O's standpoint. Your players aren't dumb. They need to make sure they're going into games feeling confident about what the plan is. And are we willing to adapt? Can we adapt properly? Do we feel like we've prepared well enough? And the NFL just has way too much parity for that not to be a big part of it. When I, when I, am a, when I use the term CEO... You know, I brought up a few weeks back the Kirby Smart situation in the semifinal game where Kirby Smart was able to get that timeout in before the fake punt from from Ohio State. I thought you saw an example of that again Sunday in the NFC Championship game. 
Nick Sirianni does not call plays. Kyle Shanahan does call plays. So Kyle Shanahan has a lot on his plate during a game. Well, when the game was still in doubt early on, what did you see? You saw Philadelphia make a huge play on a fourth down. You saw Devontae Smith very clearly get up from that fourth down catch and make a signal to his team that referenced, we need to hurry up, I did not catch that football. Did San Francisco challenge it? No. You fast forward to the next drive, and again, is some of that because Kyle Shanahan is too into the offensive side of things and wasn't maybe paying as much attention as he should have been to on the field, or his booth certainly contributes to that. I think that was partially the case. On the next possession, Philadelphia gets that sack on Brock Purdy. Initially, it was thought to be an incomplete pass. They challenge it. They felt like it was a fumble. That's Nick Sirianni not overly involved with the offensive playbook. He's able to watch the plays unfold defensively, offensively, special teams. You know, there's the clip from a few weeks ago where you know, he's yelling at the ref. I know what the, you know, bleep the rules are, blah, blah, blah. That, you need that. These games are way too close. One play can swing things way too much. Again, that's an aspect that I think Frank Reich struggled with here in Indianapolis, and that's why I think the next hire should be more of the CEO on game day along with the CEO Monday through Saturday. By the way, I saw this headline yesterday, switching gears a little bit. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson is going to join us in about 30 minutes. I I would not ask, and I want people to be clear that I'm not going to ask Jeremiah this question because I don't want to – it's never the intention on this program of putting people in a bad spot with their employer. But is there something going on? Mark, you you pay a lot of attention to this, I know. What's going on with the Bally Sports? I I know that Bally Sports, which is the parent company that broadcasts Pacer games, is in some financial trouble. I think there's a report of bankruptcy, Bankruptcy, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Star had a big column about that. Where where do things stand with that? Because, first off, does Bally do every team in the league or... No, but I think it is... um... I think they have it's like, like 19, 19 RSNs. Yeah. yeah. So 19 of So 30. So does that... The NBA really needs to get a handle on this. I, They've totally. got a large part I, of the... I, I'll tell you NBA why... And the MLB. I think it's more league-wide than anything. Uh, you know, I, I get that each individual market could, whatever, aid, um, but this is more of a league-wide issue. Well, the thing me. to me that is of concern, and I'm just... I'm kind of spitballing here, but for, for people that don't know you know the nba for example or the nfl any of them a a huge portion of player salary payment comes from the revenue generated from television contracts you know it's why in the nfl i got tired of hearing about when the colts were playing in the rca dome and, and i vividly recall like bill polian saying Look, we need a new stadium to be com- for a competitive advantage because we're at a huge disadvantage here. And I'm like, are you? Because you're winning like 14 games a year and you play in a league that has revenue sharing and has a salary cap. So theoretically, everyone's bottom line is the same. They're all bringing in the same slice of the pie and, and they're all, you can only spend so much. There's a limit on what you can spend. But that's a different talk show. But... In the NBA, such a portion of salary payment comes from television money. And if half of your, if the Indiana Pacers, for example, are suddenly 
supposedly getting money that is not there from a television partner, that's a huge story, right? Well, certainly. I mean, that's and then, a major problem. Obviously, a domino effect is, will the Pacers games be continue to be broadcasted, right. period, Kevin, um, I, the rest I, of this season? I, I think I saw the Pacers had no comment specifically on that. And again, this is being reported. It's not like Bally has filed for bankruptcy or they're going off air as early as Thursday or anything like that. But to me, this is such a league-wide issue. And how many Pacers fans have we heard from rightfully so, understandably so, in the past 12 to 24 months saying, I haven't watched one game because of the lack of access, easy access to Bally, and or the price tag that's associated with it. I worry, and I want to be very clear here, I don't have anything to base this on. And this is not me saying, like, I've had conversations. No. This is strictly me as an insomniac thinking about things late at night. I worry about the long-term partnership with the Pacers in the city of Indianapolis. And this doesn't help. Because if the Pacers are going to stay in Indianapolis long-term, and when I say long-term, I mean like 30 years from now. But if they're going to stay here, a big part of that is having a proper partnership in television revenue to allow them to sustain a business model. And if for some reason that were to evaporate, and I realize that that TV deal is going to be the same regardless of location, but I just think if you are a fan of the Indiana Pacers, you, my concern is like if the NBA is going to expand or if, if other franchises may relocate at some point, be it the Pelicans or the Hornets or something like that, it would be in the best interest of people here to see – probably in no particular order, Seattle, Las Vegas, and Nashville all end up with a franchise. Because those would are... would you expand rather than move? What's that? Wouldn't the league expand rather than move? Yes, that's what I mean, though. But I, I think that... Well, just for example... If, like go up to 32, go up to 34? Yeah, and I would think those are the three... If the NBA was going to expand... And I, I, I don't know what their target is on that, but... I have I am cons- I have concern about if there was a change in ownership of the Pacers and whenever you have an ownership family it does seem like Stephen Simon has said on record that I I totally agree I'm not wants to keep in it here. no way shape or form am I indicating that Stephen Simon would do anything to jeopardize Indianapolis I, you know but isn't there a CIB a recent agreement for a long time th- there is but, but what do those things mean you know, there was an agreement, and I'm sure with Baltimore with the Colts too, and, and then we built a new stadium, and they left. Right? My my concern would be you can never, when it comes to inheritance taxes, everything goes out the window. I, I think there, I think sometimes people have the best intentions, and to, to you know, hey, this is what we're going to do, and then if there is a change in ownership due to something being passed down in an inheritance standpoint, the taxing structure of it becomes a whole different curveball. And sometimes it's like, you know what? It's easier to sell than it is to pay the inheritance taxes. Look at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And so there, ha- if there are ownership groups in those three markets, I would think they're looking at a number of... I have nothing... Again, I don't think that any of this is like percolating. But 
when I saw the thing about Bally Sports, then I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like that that is of concern if suddenly there is some sort of an issue with a revenue stream from the television partner of the franchise. Twenty forty three. That was the agreement with the CIB here in the last couple of years to keep the Pacers here in the city of Indianapolis. So I'm not worried on that front, uh, but to your point, Jake, about the TV deal again, league-wide, this is something that clearly has been an issue for the last couple of seasons. By the way, Derek points out, and NFL teams don't share revenue from suites, club seats, and the like. That's why more teams have been adding those. I get that, but but that, that number is minuscule compared to television numbers. But there is a salary cap in the NFL. NFL? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I get it that you have to buy your luxury box suites and, and you, you know, what's the, the fee that, that comes with that at the beginning of the year. But you're talking about, in television numbers, you're talking about billions of dollars. Yes, it is probably true that L.A. can get more revenue. But what I'm saying is that that's just – that pads – that, that, that does not assist in competitive advantage. The, the Los Angeles Chargers can make more money, no question about it. The Kroenke family for the Ram, you know, they can make more money in Los Angeles than St. Louis, no doubt about it. But that's profit margin. That's not competitiveness because there is a salary cap. You can only spend so much of it on your players itself, is my point. Yeah. I, again, I don't think this is going to be a lingering problem for the next five to ten years that all of a sudden would jeopardize the franchise here in Indy, but it definitely is something that the Pacers and the league need to get a handle on. Um, I haven't heard these comments, but you said that Kevin Willard tonight, the opposing coach uh, against Indiana, the Maryland head coach, had some interesting comments. Kevin Willard was asked about playing Indiana and playing against Trace Jackson Davis, and he had some interesting things that I think people in Bloomington would be delighted to hear and people in West Lafayette would be frustrated to hear here is the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins when asked about Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana yeah Trace Jackson Davis he's the best player in the country right now what makes him tough is such a tough cover I I don't think we have enough time he's that good I mean they just post him up on the left block and you got to try to stop him and nobody no I don't no one's figured it out and I'll be honest, I, I haven't figured it out yet. I think he's more dominant than Zach Eady, and that's saying something. Um, because he he gets everyone else shots. <clears throat> he's a willing passer. He's an unbelievable rebounder. He pushes the ball up in transition. Uh, he's really, really tough in the mid-post area. He's almost impossible if he posts up in the middle of the lane. He is an unbelievable shot blocker. He's a very, very good defender. I mean, he's. I, I think over the last five games, he's scoring almost at an 82% clip on the right block. That's against the best defenses and the best coaches in college basketball. He's just. I mean, they have they have very good players, top to bottom, but he is the best college basketball player right now. Your thoughts, Kevin? You know, I think a little bit is arguing. Do I want LeBron? Do I want Kobe? Do I want LeBron? Do I want Michael? I mean, they're both right, incredible right. players. They both have been dominant for long stretches of season. Edie more so than Trace, just with how Trace played a little bit earlier in the year. And I'm sure the back injury probably contributed to some of that. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some stats you could point to where you know Trace is definitely facilitates a little bit better. I've said this about Edie. I think Edie gets a lot of hockey assists, don't necessarily show up in the box score, whereas Trace maybe just a little bit more on the direct assist um and i 
So what? Purdue beat Maryland. What was that score? It was low scoring, like 58-55, 50-something. It was low scoring a few weeks back. You know, if I remember correctly, I think Edie maybe had a few turnovers in that game. So maybe like Kevin Willard has a direct, you know, he's referencing that. Like in that specific game, Edie dominated points and rebounds, but turned the ball over. Um, and how much of it, Jake, is this just let me motivate my team for tonight's game? And then when we play Purdue again later in the season, I'll hype up Zach Edie again. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Although. But, I mean, this is literally Purdue-Indiana chatter now for the next four or five days. The last... Uh, Zach Eady, it Zach Eady is held back in terms of the praise about him by his size. Quite frankly. What, what Zach Eady is doing is as dominant as we have seen in a while in college basketball. But people look at it and they go, well, he's 7-4, that's why. Okay. I mean, you know, Barry Sanders wouldn't be a great running back. It's just he's fast. Okay, well, he's faster than everybody else. He's got some pretty good moves, too. You get what I'm saying. I think Trace Jackson Davis is his last five games have been as good as we've seen. Zach Eady's done that his last 20 games. That's the difference. I got this texted. Matt Painter pay Kevin Willard to say that <laughs> this week of all weeks. It's literally definition of bulletin board material. Yeah, that's a great. Comment. I like this one. I, I I simply tweeted out that quote. Oh, that that's going to get people riled up. And the first reply, man, IU Media just can't. What what does this mean? It says, man, IU Media can't go themselves. Sounds like. Rosie trying to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She's what is right her personal problem? Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> is, we're shooting about eight percent on the toilet right now. Uh, Luckily, Indiana and Purdue are eight percent. Yeah. Oh boy, maybe eighteen. Honestly, okay, a lot of cleanup. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, like we sit on it and we don't really do anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's an interesting. That's a. Again, I feel like we are arguing about two just like. Tiger it's Woods great. I in love the year it. 2000 or Tiger Woods in 2001. I love it. Who's better, Calvert Chaney or Glenn Robinson? Who's better, yeah. Troy Lewis or Delray Brooks? Who's better? I mean, I love it. Like, this is Purdue, Indiana. That's what it's all about, right? This is the way it's supposed to I be. Mean, Trey Jackson Davis, better in transition. I mean, I'd argue Zach Eady, he's probably shown he can finish with both of his hands better than Trace Jackson Davis. Could Trace step out a little bit and maybe like, you know, make a play off the dribble, whereas Zach is a little bit more of a just strictly kind of a post guy, shoot over the left shoulder. Um, yeah. So Edie had five turnovers against Maryland. Well, the, you know, that's probably a big part of it. Trace Jackson Davis is having an unbelievable run, but Purdue is the best team in college basketball. And Purdue is the best team in college basketball, unanimously the number one team in the country. They have an unbelievable big man. They have great balance. Unbelievable resume. They Easily the best team in college Totally. Basketball. And they may well lose at Assembly Hall. And then... What do you think the line will be in that game? Purdue by two and a half. Well, I don't know, man. Two and a half? Maybe, I mean, I... Purdue favored by two and a half? I mean, they're number one in the country, but... Indiana probably beat them down there, and then Purdue will probably more resoundingly beat them in Mackey. Right? Isn't that the way it always works? Well, Purdue's won 10 of 11, so... No, I get it. I mean, I'm just saying typically. You know, these two teams are both pretty good. I love it. I think if I'm Purdue, I put Edie on Trace Jackson Davis. They like to move Race Thompson around a little bit more, probably have Caleb first there. 
I'm not you though. I might go race Thompson on Edie. I would agree with that. A- have Trace double. I'd worry about. Well, I mean, you're worried about foul trouble with both, but also, I mean, you know, Trace in the back, and uh, yeah, Trace Jackson Davis. I mean. Willard's right. He's been virtually unstoppable oh on the gosh. low block. I mean, Jake, if it but was so any, is Edie. If it was any other year, Trace Jackson Davis, you'd hand him the Big Ten Player of the Year trophy now. Right. Any other year. Got this tweet here. I don't know how it could be seen as bulletin board material when the quote is coming from another state. Who gives a damn what Maryland's coach has to say? Uh, Jake, people use bulletin board material from everywhere. The funny thing about IU Have Purdue that I've always Shaquille loved. Shaquille Leonard on Twitter? <laughs> the funny thing about Purdue and IU that I've always loved, you could literally, I've said this a thousand times, we could, you know that billboard, if you're driving on 465 and you're yeah, coming the around. the State Champs one? Well, there's that, you know that whole thing. That was brilliant, by the way. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant marketing. There's one billboard that's supposedly the highest rent billboard in Marion County, and it's on 465 as you're coming around from the west on the northwest corner of 465, like after Michigan and before Meridian, like right around that bend. There's a billboard right there. On that billboard, I could stand with a huge banner that says, IU sucks, Purdue rules. For 364 days. And on the 365th, I could flip it. It says, Purdue sucks, IU rules. And literally, depending on which fan base it was, they would say, you're the guy that stood on 465 with a sign. I mean, it is unbelievable. And that's, again, that's what you love about fans. I love it. It's what you love about rivalries. It's what you love about, honestly, witnessing what we'll see on Saturday. I said it yesterday. I think it's an absolute joke. College game day is not going to be there. Um, It's going to be an unbelievable environment in there. I just hope both teams take care of business the next couple nights. Yeah, leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Purdue's got Penn State on Wednesday. That is in Mackey. 6.30 tips, a little earlier than Indiana at 9 o'clock tonight. Let's hit a morning check down before Jeremiah Johnson joins us in about five minutes. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Before we get to talking about the Pacers, let's look at the men's college basketball top 25. We just referenced it. Purdue is number one in the land and unanimously so, getting all 32 first place votes at the USA Today Coaches Poll. That's just ahead of second-ranked Tennessee, followed by Houston, Virginia, Alabama. This is like a college football top 25. Tennessee, Houston, and Alabama all in the top five. Kansas State, Arizona, Kansas, Texas, and UCLA rounding out the top ten. Indiana checks in at number 22. Illinois out of the Big Ten is the 25th. You know, this matters a little bit, Jake, for like seeding purposes in the NCAA. Look at those rankings again. Purdue is in the Eastern time zone. Where do you go to find the next team in the Eastern time zone? Is Tennessee not in the Eastern time zone? I guess Knoxville, yeah. Virginia. And where are they? Fourth. Virginia's that high? Yeah, exactly. Alabama fifth. To your point, though, I mean, well taken. Kansas State, Arizona, Kansas, Texas, UCLA, Baylor. I mean, it's unusual to have all these teams west of Mississippi ranked that high. You're right. So that's a good thing for Purdue in terms of bracketing and seeding on that end. As we mentioned, it'll be Indiana at Maryland tonight. That is a a two-and-a-half-point spread. That's Maryland-favored. Basically, Maryland has won their home games in the Big Ten, lost their road games, haven't really played anybody at home, though. 
Um, they don't shoot the three ball well. They get to the foul line at a pretty high rate. A couple transfers for Kevin Willard and company. Um, for Indiana, of course, five-game win streak. They've shot it really well. At Illinois, they shot it really well. But outside of that, you know, you haven't played great on the road. Minnesota survived that one. Penn State, shaky. Of course, Iowa, you couldn't guard anyone. So um, is it odd to call this a trap game for Indiana? No, I don't think that's odd. I mean, it kind of has that feel to it. It does. <laughs> it does for sure. And, man. and like, if you take care of business tonight, I think Saturday's just strictly house money for you. I always thought Maryland would be a cool place to watch a game. By the way, it looks like a pretty good environment. Yeah, but if you lose tonight, you lose Saturday. I know February's got a little bit of a tougher schedule. Then it kind of gets um, uneasy. But again, Indiana's one of five straight four of five doubles. Figures. Jake, yesterday over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Miles Turner contract extension press conference. We heard from Miles earlier on his joy of being back here. Of course, the elephant in the room is still this. Despite signing that extension, the Pacers could trade Miles Turner. Kevin Pritchard was asked about that yesterday. One of the things we've always believed in here is that if you sign a player, it's to sign the player. We don't sign a player to trade a player. And, you know, Miles has blossomed this year. We've seen the relationship with him and Ty and a pick and roll. They're one of the best pick and roll players in the league right now. And um, we, we see that this is the beginning of a nice core. Um, no, not a, a great core. And, um, you know, we, we signed Miles to be here. That's, that's our goal. By the way, I've got a question for you. Elephant in the room. That that's our goal, you know. <laughs> Whenever you throw in that that, that caveat to end it, it's like uh, we will listen. So you referenced elephant in the room. I've never understood this. Is it, elephant in the room means like the big thing in the room that nobody talks about, right? And that uh-huh. what that means? Would you not? If there was an elephant in here, would you guys really not mention it? Like, wouldn't you say like, holy cow, there's an elephant over there? Right, but it's not what you, like you are afraid to mention it. But why would you be afraid to mention that there's an elephant in the room? Wouldn't I mean, is it just because you don't have to mention it? It's so big that you don't have to it's mention so obvious. it. Obvious, yeah, yeah, maybe that. I mean, what's the, you know? Pat goes people outside of Indiana. <laughs> the hell is that <laughs> elephant doing in here? Holy cow! Sounds like the zoo. What the heck is going on over there? That's a great sounding elephant. <laughs> do you know? Do you know why you should always have sanitizer around when an elephant's oh, there? Jeez, Mark, just because they're just a pack of germs. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> That's I mean, a, that, that was quick on the trigger right there. I knew that was going to be Pat goes, people outside of Indiana don't care about IU Purdue. <laughs> UNC Duke will always be a bigger draw. Jake, neither of those teams are ranked, right? Carolina Duke? Isn't that crazy? And they're still going to get college first time, First time since 19, I believe 41, that Carolina Duke are squaring off and neither of the two head coaches has 50 career wins. I think 1941 or 42 is the last time that happened. It's like you can go to either of those matchups pretty much on an annual basis. Like, hasn't college football game day adopted the let's go to places we haven't been? Yeah. I, I get college basketball game day has been to Bloomington, but I think this is the perfect time you know, to go there. Is there, a, it, it, there is no college basketball team that's the elephants, are there? You got Mastodons, right? They're closely related. But yeah, that I seems, can't think of anybody. That seems elephants. like that'd be a, a, a decent mascot, wouldn't it? Although it's, a, it's kind of a mouthful to say. Let's the go, Las elephants. Vegas Elephants, is that going to be the NBA team? Are the Pacers going to move there and be called that? that? That's it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got circuses. That's the in, elephant in the in room. Vegas, Alabama's right? got the elephant mascot. That's ah, true. Crimson that's, Tide. That's nice. true, yeah. Nice. 
Uh, Jeremiah Johnson joins us next here. Kevin Aquari on a really nice but chilly start to this Tuesday morning. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, Randy brings up a good point. Uh, didn't Pritchard sign Malcolm Brogdon and then trade him nine months later? I, again, I, I think this is different, but you can you, and will listen to. You others. always, that's exactly right. If, if a trade makes your team better. No one's untouchable. No one. Can't talk about it, though. It's the elephant in the room. I, now, Jeremiah Johnson is familiar with elephants, right? Haven't we been over this with them before? Oh, that's a good point. What was that? It's <laughs> probably exactly what Jeremiah wants to start off with. Do you think they had elephants in the, the Peru circus? I think we've been over this before with But them. I don't know if we discussed the elephants part, right? JJ, good morning. <laughs> wow. Mark's on his game with all the uh, sound effects and the music. I, I give him a lot of credit for Tuesday morning. Did they bring elephants to Peru for the circus? So the, the Peru Circus is the world's largest amateur circus. Emphasize the amateur. It's not a normal like Ringling Brothers circus that you might imagine. But there is one act that does involve an elephant. I don't know that they have it every single year, but um, I've seen an elephant in the Peru Circus before. Really? Now, does that elephant that elephant doesn't live at Peru, right? It 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 just travels to Peru. It lives there on Main Street. Brings all his stuff in the <laughs> trunk and shows Main up. and Seventh. Okay. Unrelated, unrelated, the International Circus Hall of Fame is also in Peru, where there are some animals housed, but it's, they do not normally appear in the Peru Circus. The International Circus Hall of Fame? Does that have clowns in it? I'm going to make a well, stop there of 31 one of these days. <laughs> I'd like to see the parking lot. I, the, I'm picturing The parking JJ, lot for the Clown Hall of Fame is one spot, by the way. picturing walking through the International Circus Hall of Fame, and JJ's voice is just the one that's kind of <laughs> PAing you through the entire thing. It was a booming voice yesterday at the Miles Turner press conference from, from Jeremiah Johnson. JJ, th- there were times yesterday where I'm like, boy, this press conference is a bit of a, you know, wow, this is quite the ordeal for Miles Turner. But then I sat there and thought to myself, you know what? Good for the Pacers. You've got a major agency representing Miles Turner in CAA. You've got a guy that at times could have easily, you know, let his ego get the best of him and left or wanted to leave or go to free agency. And what the Pacers were doing yesterday has been a big initiative for Kevin Pritchard, and that is showing players that they care. Obviously, financially, that speaks to it, but it also, I think, sends a message to Miles Turner's agency that. Our organization will treat your clients right. I think so, and every situation is different. And there's no handbook uh, in the NBA for what you can and uh, you know are supposed to do in situations like this. And so, for this one, I was actually listening to you guys yesterday, and it did make me really think about things and put some good perspective in. When I think it was Jake who said, you know, or maybe it was Kevin, it was you know at the end of this contract, Miles will have been in Indiana for. 10 years and that just doesn't really happen in the NBA and then if you think about the other circumstances where 
you know, he's, I think he's on his fourth head coach. He's been in different roles throughout this entire time. He has, to be honest, been mentioned in trade rumors quite frequently. And now in his eighth season is, um, without question, playing the best basketball of his career. And he's done all the right things off the court. It, it deserved it. I mean, I think it was, I didn't think at any point being there yesterday that it was, it was too much. I thought it was appropriate. And the other thing is some things that happened yesterday were organic and seeing all the players show up on their day off. It wasn't like they said, Hey, you guys, we're going to have this press conference. It's right after practice. We want you to walk over from the gym. It was a day off. And then all the assistant coaches, some of them with, you know, their family members, when we've been on the road for quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, they wanted to be there as well. So, uh, that meant a lot. Um, I, I just think that it was something that was unusual to happen during a season as well, because you don't really see a lot of signings like this, the circumstances with having that extra cap space and having that ability to renegotiate or negotiate the extension in the middle of the season is is pretty unusual. So there were a lot of circumstances that made it unusual, but also I think made it memorable. Jeremiah, and by the way, that was Kevin yesterday who had pointed that out about the 10-year period with Miles Turner. I feel like, and I want your, your thoughts on this, Jeremiah Johnson, regarding Miles Turner. I think Turner is a little bit a victim of circumstance in terms of his relationship with the city. And by that I mean, this is a town that saw Jermaine O'Neal and thought that the franchise, since Reggie Miller left, the fan base here has been longing for that guy that is the face of the franchise. They thought it was Jermaine O'Neal. They thought it was going to be Paul George. They thought it was Victor Oladipo. And each time they've longed for and just tried to find the guy. Okay, that's it. That's the guy. That's who now we're going to rally around for 15 years. And I think that prematurely people tabbed Miles Turner in that role. And just because he's not necessarily the alpha number one guy doesn't mean he's not a critically important piece to what the franchise has in mind. I just feel like the the label of him from a franchise standpoint was just different than the expectation for fans and that that that's always created like this wanting of more unfairly speaking from a fan standpoint but that the franchise has liked what what he has been is that fair i think that's i think that is very fair and well said and i'll think back to sometimes it's it's nothing that the player does to say hey call me the face of the franchise we can be guilty in the media, I mean, sometimes when we're planning out our season opening preview show that's always one hour and we go through each position, inevitably we're picking one player to give the most coverage, to give the most hype and, and hear the most interview sound from because we're sort of putting that person as as the leader. And we did that, I think, in Miles's fourth season and we were really hyping him up and he is what he is, is what is one of the best defensive players. And he was also offensively playing alongside, you know, DeMontis Sabonis to where I don't think he could necessarily show what he is. Now, just because Sabonis is gone and he's playing the five right now, it doesn't mean he is now the face of the franchise, but I'll say he is a face of the franchise. And he is someone who's very important to the big picture of what they're trying to build. And if you look at a core nucleus moving forward the next two years, that at the very least includes Halliburton, Matherin, and Miles Turner, I think you're at a really good point. And then you decide 
which of the pieces that you have right now are the ones that you want to fill in around and maybe which are the spots that you add. But you're feeling, I think, really good about what you have at center because of what you can do on, on both ends of the floor. And the other thing that I'll add, and I've thought about this a little bit over the last couple of seasons, is there's probably no other player that when he has a bad game, and it's kind of what JMV is guilty of receiving you know, on his Twitter account, but if he has a bad game, I'll get texts from people that are complaining. And I, no other player, if, if Buddy Hill has a bad night, no one gets mad and sends me messages and says, I can't believe that. And I think there is just this expectation level sometimes with set centers, guys that are near seven foot, because no one else is that. And everyone, all, everyone that plays basketball thinks, if only I was 6'10", I would be able to do this. And I would be in the NBA. And I would be great. And I would never have a bad game. And so sometimes centers are you know they just have that additional responsibility and expectation and granted they have some additional help as well by being nearly seven foot but i think that goes into it as well and i do think miles has handled the occasional criticism and the expectation level as well as you could have you mentioned the guy there that's really fascinating like now that the miles turner situation at least for the next two years has seemingly settled itself out then you start looking at other pieces. Guy that really intrigues me, JJ, is Buddy Heald. Because, again, I want you to tell me if you agree with this. You're, you're very close to it, obviously, working on the broadcasts. With Buddy Heald, he is a guy that it seems to me like he was almost like that found $10 bill in your, in your, when you're doing your laundry. Because I think they really wanted Halliburton. They knew Heald was a good shooter. I don't know that they realized what a teammate he was. And maybe I'm off base, and I'm just going from afar. But it just seems like he is a very important cog in the wheel of what they want to do, and that he is a guy that players look towards a little bit in terms of a leader and a teammate for the Pacers. Am I overselling him? I don't think so. And you think back to we're almost one year now. Uh, from that trade to Sacramento. And the three players that went to Sacramento were, what, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and, and Sabonis. And only Sabonis is still there. And then the players that came to Indiana were Tristan Thompson, Buddy Heald, and Tyrese Halliburton. And at the time, I'm not sure it was anything other than Sacramento had sort of wanted to move on from Buddy Heald and you needed to have the, the contracts match and fit because of the amount that Sabonis made compared to Halliburton. Since then, and even last season when the Patriots were struggling, we saw Buddy Heald's work ethic. We, we saw a positive attitude that was different than what you heard about him from Sacramento. And then even this season, he has been a very important part of what they were able to do in that first half of the season, exceeding all the expectations. It doesn't mean it's a slam-dunk choice by the front office to decide that this is your guy moving forward because we know how much things change in the NBA. And we have seen over the last couple of weeks, while he's had some really good games, it's been a lot more difficult for him without Tyrese Halliburton on the court. However, should you evaluate those two weeks or should you evaluate when Halliburton is on the court? Because if you're going to be what you want to be, Halliburton will be on the court most of the time. So um, it's one of those things that as they evaluate the next two weeks in the trade deadline and maybe even into the summer, they have to look at both things, but I think they probably also have to talk with Tyrese Halliburton. He is your face of the franchise that you mentioned earlier and what he thinks and not just who he wants on his team, but also who he thinks he plays well with is important. And so while you're asking me what I think about Buddy Heald, uh, what, what Tyrese Halliburton thinks might be as important as anything.
Yeah, and again, on Buddy Heald, the durability for him and that skill set, I just don't think shooting ages quite like some other skill sets, so that is very, very attractive in retaining him. Jeremiah Johnson joins us, Bally Sports. Nothing for the Pacers here to start the week. Back-to-back coming up Thursday, Friday, Lakers and Kings inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. JJ, you mentioned Miles earlier, and obviously his rim protection. Uh, the Pacers are 25th right now in points allowed. That has obviously been an issue, particularly as of late. I would think the lack of Tyrese Halliburton has led to more turnovers. That, of course, is harder to defend in the open floor. Why do you think, having Turner, though, the issues defensively continue to be there? It's a good question. Uh, they can't just let people go to the paint and, and expect – him to solve all the problems and what ends up happening when you beat, get beat off the dribble and this is something I know John talks a lot about and I see it as well when, when, when teams get to the pain or when you're not able to, to stop guys off the dribble there always has to be a little bit of help so teams are not just going at the rim with Miles there and choosing to attack one of the best shot blockers in the NBA they're often getting to the pain and then kicking out and you're constantly seeing guys have to help and it's just a, it's a rotation and these, these are the best teams in the world. And some of the teams, if I think back to Milwaukee uh, a little over a week ago, <laughs> the way they pass that ball around and find the guy that's going to have that opening to shoot a shot uncontested, it's phenomenal. It's almost breathtaking to watch sometimes. And you could, you could take some film of it and have an eighth-grade team or a freshman team or a varsity team watch it and say, do this, the way they zip that ball around. And so that's what the Pacers are running into. Just because Miles is on the floor doesn't mean – you're automatically going to be an elite defensive team. I think they should be better than they are right now, but they're trying to to just make up for some, you know, maybe some personal issues. Maybe just they don't have as many good defenders on the court. Maybe the length and athleticism right now isn't what some teams have defensively to allow them to be higher. It's something I know they're working on and they're not happy with, but I don't know that you can necessarily say, well, you should have Miles Turner. You've got to be better than that. I mean, there it's five players on the court. Yes, certainly the wing defense length, an issue there. Again, Jeremiah Johnson from Bally Sports with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. JJ, you are a big schedule guy, which you know fully understand that. Obviously, when you travel as much as you, you do for the games, you're looking at the schedule. I look at these next three, Lakers at home, Kings on Friday, Cavs on Sunday. For a variety of reasons, this has got to be one of the more enjoyable, entertaining three-game stretches inside a Gamebridge Fieldhouse all, all year long. Yeah, the first half of the season, there were a lot of weekend home games, and even um, over the last month when the Pacers have struggled, the the crowds at the weekends at Gamebridge Fieldhouse have been phenomenal, and so I'm expecting the same. You always get a good crowd when the Lakers are in. I will be following the LeBron James injury news. It doesn't look like now he's going to pass Kareem at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. There was maybe an outside chance if he would have played and played well last night. But that Sacramento game, This is going to be one of the more underrated rivalries, I think, the next few seasons in the NBA, especially for two teams that will only play twice a season because the venom that I felt from that crowd in Sacramento for Buddy Heald and the confidence that that team and swagger that they seem to be playing with right now, uh, you know, I know that they have a lot to be excited about and they deserve to be confident with where their record is and the way they're playing, but... But they're playing <laughs> with a little bit of swagger, a little chip on their shoulder. And I know that Tyrese Halliburton's not happy about what happened in Sacramento. So yeah, he didn't I play great that in that game. Game's gonna be, yeah, that Friday game's going to be phenomenal. You hope that he's able to put two good days of practice together and be able to play. And it'll be a lot to ask for him, having been off for two weeks and injured. 
to play the back-to-back and to play Sunday. So I'm not saying right now he automatically will be playing Thursday, will be playing Friday. We'll monitor and see what they say the next two days in practice. But uh, high profile as well. And even the Sunday afternoon game, 5 o'clock against the Cavs, I think a great crowd's expected there. So you're right on. You're spot on. If you got a ticket this weekend, I think you should be treated to a show. And, and how about this weekend for basketball fans in this state to have the Pacers play those games on Friday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and then IU Purdue on, on Saturday. The schedule makers did it right this weekend. Bad. And little girls basketball sectionals as well. Hopefully the weather cooperates on that in high Absolutely. school. Who, who's Peru got this weekend? That's what I'd like to know. Do we know? You want to lay a wager on the game? Oh, I always take Peru, yeah. You got Peru or Western? You know, you know what Purdue's really good at? You know why in tight games, if it comes down to it, they usually win on a circus shot. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? That was fabulous. JJ, that was not a real laugh, was it? <laughs> not really. You know, uh, I was dropping my son off at school before we got on the air, and he thought it was pretty cool that, you know, just listening to the radio, I didn't tell him I was going to be on, and they said I was going to be on, and he asked if, but this is one of my favorite shows to go on. And I said, yeah, you know, I enjoy it. I do have to be on my toes because uh, Jake will tend to ask me some questions that I'm not prepared for. But I can always count on something mascot-related or something circus-related. So <laughs> yeah, you definitely right. check that box you, today. You do agree, though, do Next you not? Next time you go to the zoo, Jake will be the third wheel. Jeremiah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do agree, don't you, that Rocky is the... In the non-boomer category, Rocky is the best mascot. We have determined that, correct? Not the gorilla. No. I think I did say the gorilla about a year ago on this show when you asked me that, but I was feeling bad about it at the time because Rocky was my 1B choice. So you... uh, you definitely do know your mascot. It's like Zach Eady or Trace Jackson Davis. You know, I mean, you can't go, you can really hardly go wrong. Uh, JJ, last one before we let you go. Tyrese Halliburton's got to be an all star on Thursday, right? I think so. Uh, you know, the coaches vote. You know how much respect the coaches would have for him, not just for the way he plays, for the way he carries himself. I think there's also uh, respect for Rick Carlisle around the league. You'd think that would play into it as well. It's a tough choice. There are always going to be players left out but leading the league in assists and doing what he did until he was injured in that first half of the season 23 wins in the first 41 games that's the body of work and he played enough to be eligible i just because he missed the last two weeks it won't be held against him i don't think there are some players if you only play 30 games then you're unlikely to be an all-star and i think he's played enough he's made an impact and he should definitely be an all-star thursday i would be shocked if he's not yeah, I would agree on that. JJ, enjoy the uh, couple of quieter days back from Memphis and uh, looking forward to these three home games at Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good week. Jeremiah Johnson, Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, trade deadline, Jake, a week from Thursday. When we do the, the show next Friday morning, okay, so February 10th, mm-hmm. Chris Duarte, Gogo Batadze, TJ McConnell, will they all be Pacers? Uh, T.J. McConnell will, I would imagine. Chris Duarte's a curveball for sure. Goga could be thrown in um, probably depending on if you need like salary match, right? Now, they do have one guy coming back. Did, did we mention this already? Yeah, we did not. We can mention this, I think, a little bit later. But somebody coming up on Thursday, coming back potentially on Thursday? Yeah. Who I, I think could be moved in a week. You think so? I mean, you got such a log jam in the front court. I mean, Isaiah Jackson can't get minutes right now. Jalen Smith can't get minutes right now. But it's the kind of player they need. So you got to trade somebody, right? 
You got a log jam. I think they really like TJ McConnell. If you're going to be out of the playoffs, there are some guys in this roster that I look at and just say, why are they here? You need to remember the big picture point of view. If these guys are not going to get minutes, you don't see much of a future with them here in Indiana. I think you have got to realize that cashing in on some of them, getting some some return on investment is really, really important. Because with the Turner deal, it does take away a little bit of something that you could have gotten back. And if you don't make anything, you're pretty much all in on the 2023 draft. By the way, did you know there's a Peru State College? Can't say I'm familiar with that. I just Googled for Jeremiah's sake. Are they the Peru, Tigers Peru as well? basketball. No, they're the Bobcats. Peru State University. Oh, no, Peru State College. Now, if I'm not mistaken, a college and a university, the difference is a college doesn't offer graduate programs. Is that right? Or is not broken down. A university is broken down into different colleges that make up the university itself. I'll tell you what, if the Pacers don't start winning games, Max could be looking there. You said the Bobcats, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, again, that's not really a Bobcat. That is a that's, human being in the backyard. That is Bob. Yeah, that's that's Bob after maybe a, something special. <laughs> and then Bob got caught, and that's the end of that. I'd like to know where Peru State University is. What's your, here, let, let me throw you this. Tucker Barnhart in 10 minutes, Upcoming Mark. schedule, Mid-America, Nazarene, Benedictine, and Missouri Valley. So where's your guess? I, I bet it's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, Nazareth, Pennsylvania, right. it always seems like a good guess. I'll look it up and let you know. Tucker Barnhart in 10. Tucker Barnhart going to join us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. In a few, he is now a Chicago Cub and heading out to spring training here. In a few days, I saw on the uh, baseball front, looks like Greg Doyle's latest column. Um, I mentioned this to you last week, Jake. We went bowling up at Woodland. Mm-hmm with the family and some friends a couple weeks ago, a couple Saturdays ago. They had up there, you know, the promo pictures for the U.S. Open PBA Tour coming out there. I think, I think it's on ESPN. Do, do they still do bowling on ESPN, ESPN2? I think they do. ESPN2, maybe. And uh, they mentioned, you know, it's the U.S. Open, which, you know, the U.S. Open for golf, I mean, technically, if you have a low enough handicap, you can qualify, try to qualify. Uh, Greg Doyle is writing a column on Mookie Betts up there right now. Really? Mookie Betts, Dodgers outfield. They're trying to qualify for the U.S. PBA Open at Woodland. By the way, Pittsburgh, or excuse me, Peru State. Peru State University is in Peru, Nebraska. How much money do you think Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts has made in his life? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, how, how long has he been in the league now? I'll say 100 got to be around 30. $127 million. So the contract he signed with the Dodgers was for 12 years, $120 million. And so far, he has made... Unbelievable. He's obviously made well north of that. 10 and a half, 20, 27. 47, 57 and a half so far. 
And then he, uh, again, signed that 12-year, $365 million deal two off-seasons ago. Must be nice, right? Do you think the uh, fellow bowlers around him know who he is up there? <laughs> yeah, they got a good deal down there in the pizza and the beer draft. You know, if you get a pitcher, we can all split it. You guys want to play another game? I mean, it's, it's like an extra 16 bucks. <laughs> I, I do better with the cosmic bowling. Can we turn off the lights? You, laugh if you want. I'm surprised. We can ask Tucker Barnhart this in a couple of minutes. I think players have it in their contract. There are certain things they can't do. Maybe it would be more pertinent for a pitcher. You're going to think I'm crazy. I'm surprised that there's not something in there of teams having concern about like elbow or tendon issues in bowling. What's a big basketball sport, popular sport for guys in the NBA as well? Is it really? Yeah. I've always thought it was cool when, when some of the celebrities started doing bowling fundraisers as opposed yeah, to golf. Yeah, I know Jack Doyle did a big bowling fundraiser. Jeff Gordon used to do one. Frank you know, Reich, just, I think, had one here. I, bowling is fun, man. Woodland's great. It's Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it was a good time we were up there. So yeah, Tucker Barnhart going to join us here in a few if, minutes. If I gave you guys 100 guesses right now, uh-huh. could you guess who the Pro Bowl replacement for Josh Allen is right now? That was oh, good. are it's we already good. to... Um, Hold on. We each get one guess? You can have 50 guesses. The fact right. that Mark's asking this. I, I, so I, so we're talking an AFC quarterback, right? Yes. I think I know. An AFC quarterback that is replacing Josh Allen in the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a conspiracy theory behind this one. There's got to be something going on. Is this somebody who started every game of the year? No. Hey, he started a playoff game. Started a playoff game. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Who did uh, – did Miami make the playoffs? They did, right? Mm-hmm. Great game. Uh, and Tua didn't start, right? Right. But I can't remember who started for Miami. Skylar Thompson. Is that it? No. Okay, well then – Tyler Huntley. The Ravens back up to Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley. Okay. But what all, What was he, like third alternate, something like that? Something like that, yeah. I, the Pro Bowl, it, when it comes to alternate, it, it's kind of like the Colts coaching search, right? It's just like, eh, well, what's that guy doing? Okay, grab him. So they're doing a flag football game? They're doing a few games, I think. So they're doing a long drive from Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know what to be expecting, to be quite honest. I don't know how much I'm going to have interest in it either. Uh, I know we're not maybe the biggest country music audience, but yeah, Jimmy Allen... The country singers also participate in the PBA Open. So I guess if it's like golf, I mean, this is your one chance to try and qualify. You know, Tony Romo and I try to qualify for the U.S. Open. So that's pretty cool that, like, Indy is able to attract some of these names. Do you think there's crowds there? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 9 a.m. on a Tuesday, I don't know if you're able to attract too big of a crowd. Hope the laser tag's ready for a bigger crowd today. <laughs> Did you ever do laser tag? Oh, sure. Yeah, what about they had paintball? One up in, they had one were, up in Castle. Were you a paintball guy? I, I went to a couple birthday parties, um, paintball related. But laser tag was probably the bigger thing. Right by, I feel like it was right by Buca de Beppo up by Castleton. I'm trying to think of what the place was called. I think that's right. Um, well, Dark Armies was the place that had the paintball, right? 
I remember we, we went paintballing once when I was like a freshman in high school. Probably we did it one time. Uh, Jason Keller got a welt the size of oh the, man the, the size Jupiter of a golf ball. storm. Yeah, and it was like oh, okay, we're good with that, right? Tucker, I'd like to know when do pet, pitchers and catchers report? Well, I always thought it was mid February. Do you think this is how I'm gonna? This is the question I want to lead off with with Tucker. Do you think that that like other position players? Do, do pitchers and catchers resent that they've got to go early? Gotta be right. Excite. Thank you, Matt Fangman. Excite. Yes. Great. Great. Uh, human, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, and I'm sure he's thrilled to be doing so. Joining us this morning, a return guest to the program who has become a friend of this station. You know him from his days, obviously, with the Reds, the Tigers, now the newest member of the Chicago Cubs. Tucker Barnhart joins us. In Tucker, do you ever wish? deep down around this time of year that you were an outfielder and you don't have to report early? Why do, why do pitchers and catchers have to report before everybody else? That's a lot of stretching, right? A lot of calisthenics. Um, no, I wish a lot of times, that, I, and for a lot of reasons, that I was an outfielder. Um, and reporting early is definitely uh, one of those, that's for sure. Can you, I guess, kind of break down, and thank you for the time, by the way, Tucker. Uh, can you break down maybe the next month and a half, like once you get out there, like what your schedule looks like, and I guess what is kind of a daily spring training schedule? I, I'm like used to NFL training camp. I'm trying to compare it to that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, Groundhog Day. Every single day is about the same. Um, I'm an early, I'm an early morning guy, so I like to get to the get to the facility early. Um, roughly, I would say 6 a.m. I work out and stuff and get everything out of the way so um, I can enjoy the Arizona weather and go play some golf uh, in the afternoon when we're finished. Um, so until until uh, games start, we get there in the morning. Usually, I would say we have stretch around 10 o'clock um, and then go through our on-field work, bunt defenses and, and fundamentals and stuff like that that you see the, every Little League team um, up and down the state of Indiana doing. Uh, we do the same thing for about 45 days straight. And do you, were you able to keep the same house? Because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, <laughs> geography related where Goodyear and Mesa is. I don't know if the kids are coming out there, but I, I was curious about that. No, we, we sold it, man. We, um, it, and, and it kind of worked out for the better, to be honest with you, because it would be about a, at the, I would say, the quickest trek across Phoenix. Um, it would probably take me about an hour to get from Goodyear to Mesa just because I have to go through rush hour and going through Phoenix. And then on the way back, I'd be going through rush hour um, headed out of Phoenix. So um, I, I wouldn't have, it would have been, it would have made for a long drive in the morning, um, which wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, but uh, we ended up selling it and I uh, rent a place in um, closer to Mesa. Tucker, I, we've had you on before and I asked, two or three questions that at the time I remember thinking I'm almost embarrassed to ask this but then you're a catcher it's just such a unique position so I have another one here are you ready I mean honestly like I'm fully prepared for you to say yeah Jake stop while you're ahead okay <laughs> no fire away I, I am curious about this so much of conditioning for any athlete of any sport involves you know running elliptical tra- a, a number of different things how do you balance as a catcher, or do you have to balance making sure that you're staying in top physical condition, but also doing it in a way that has to preserve your knees because your knees, from a catcher standpoint and the longevity thereof, has to be the most delicate of any 
probably position in professional sports because of the obviously the demands that are taking place on them. Does that come into play in any way, shape, or form? It does for sure. Um, I think that you you kind of watch what you do in terms of making sure when I'm a I, I love to squat, so I'm a, I'm like a, in the weight room, so I'm a, a back squat, a front squat guy. Not to get too deep into lifting by any means but i i have to make sure that in terms of like form and stuff like that that it's pretty much as close to perfect as possible just to make sure that there's not a ton of load um on my on my knees when i'm when i'm working out um in terms of treadmill and elliptical and stuff like that i usually stay away from the treadmill just to kind of take the pressure off my knees when i do any running of any kind um so it's just it's a constant kind of just making sure that that there's no no pain or anything like that and i think i'm a i'm a shorter guy i don't weigh a a, a lot i weigh 195 pounds and i'm five nine on a good day and i think that that has something to do with kind of making it keeping my knees healthy i don't have a ton of weight or i'm not a super tall guy that's that has to go a, a big a big distance when i squat down so i think that plays a part in in me being able to maintain my knee health and stuff like that. So I, there's absolutely is, uh, I pay attention to it. I make sure that, that if there's any, any sort of twins or, or, or any, any pain whatsoever, I make sure that where I work out at, I, I get it checked out. But luckily I haven't had any of that and hope to keep it that way. Are there ever during, from a catcher standpoint, you know, this stuff fascinates me in terms of the reps and everything that takes place because I've I've covered teams in spring training and seen kind of everything that goes on. So I'm curious if from a catcher standpoint, do you ever say, you know, hey, look, I, I want to get more reps with this particular pitcher. Like I haven't caught him before. He throws a unique style. I'm not completely comfortable with like the, just where his ball placement is for me. Does do those conversations ever take place at all? Oh, of course. Um, especially I, I think as, as you get older you or you get more time kind of under your belt in terms of being in the major leagues, you can kind of uh, pick and choose who you catch and when you catch them kind of, Obviously not during the game, but but in bullpens and things like that, kind of beforehand to get maybe a different look. Especially, and and I think it's it's extremely important for me that going into this season, obviously with a bunch of guys that I've never caught before, making sure that that once the season starts, there's no surprises or anything like that, and that I've seen everything and gotten comfortable with everyone that, w- that we have. Um, you you really when you're younger and you're in your first or second major league camp, you kind of get buried and you have to catch everybody. It doesn't matter who it is or or when it is. Um, but but as you get older and as you gain more time, you uh, you can kind of pick and choose who you who you catch. So those conversations those conversations happen a lot during bullpens. They're really big. They're huge in, in my opinion. I think you kind of get to know the the way a guy ticks uh, when you when you have a conversation like that. Um, and those and those conversations are huge, um, so that when you get to Chicago or we get wherever we are on the road, that, that when we when we cross a path that maybe we haven't yet, um, we can all we can kind of go back to a conversation maybe we had in spring training about a certain situation that helps you kind of get through or get out of get out of a jam or get through a situation that that you're in. Two-time Gold Glover, obviously the Brownsburg native, and heading into year ten in the big leagues. Tucker Barnhart now with the Cubs joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, it's been a busy offseason for the Cubs. They've kind of rebuilt the the, the middle of that defense, including yourself. Um, what are your thoughts on, on joining You know what used to be a pretty big rival and, and their plan for maybe a little bit more defense and, and, and pitching this year? 
Yeah, you know, I'm excited. I, uh, it's been pointed out to me on Twitter multiple times that, that apparently I'm not allowed to play for any major league team that state doesn't border Indiana. Which is <laughs> That's good. right. We got a lot of options. Yeah, I got a lot of options, which is good. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited. I think that, that you, I think you would talk to a lot of guys around the, the big leagues that, that would consider playing for the Cubs and playing in Chicago is if you're lucky enough to play in the major leagues and kind of get to pick and choose where you play, um, that Chicago playing for the Cubs would potentially be a bucket list type of thing for, for a lot of guys, myself included. I mean, I grew up not necessarily a Cubs fan or a Reds fan for that, for that matter, but obviously the Reds and the Cubs were on TV all the time. And, and I grew up watching them. I'd get home after school and, and, and flip on the day game and watch, watch Sammy Sosa or whoever play play um, against against whoever. And so I, I watched the Cubs a lot growing up, um, and so I'm super excited to be a part of that organization as a, as a home player and call Wrigley home instead of having to listen to Go Cubs Go on the, uh, on the opposite end of the uh, win-loss column uh, as a visitor. Um, but in terms of the team in general, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I think there's an emphasis on pitching and defense, which I think kind of helps you sustain – winning I, I think that, that it's inevitable for for offenses to kind of go through hot streaks and slumps and such uh during a season but if you can play good defense and you can pitch uh, you're going to be in most games and I, I think that's what we're trying to build in chicago we're gonna have gold glovers all over the field and uh, i'm super excited to be a part of it you know on that note i think it's a part of the game we probably don't appreciate enough but certainly it's a big thing for you i'm curious like you are catching, let's say, Kyle Hendricks on a game day, and first pitch is seven oh five. What does the game day prep between you and him look like in getting ready for a lineup? Like, I'm, I'm imagining a little bit of a play caller to a quarterback in the NFL. All right, this is what we're thinking. You know, first time through the order, we might want to do this, et cetera, et cetera. What exactly does that look like specifically on on game day? Yeah, well, so it's it's interesting that you say it's like play caller to to a quarterback. It's I think it's very similar, um, and I, I think it's it's both ways. It's not not me being the play caller to him or him being the play caller to me. I think it goes. I think we're both a little bit of each um, because we both. I would say we're not. We won't do our prep together, um, our game planning together necessarily in terms of like a deep dive on an on a lineup or a team that we're getting ready to face. Um, but we will have a meeting kind of right before the start. So if um, it's a 7.05 game, it's usually, I would say, anywhere between 5.15 and 5.30, 5.45, where we sit down and we go through um, each hitter, um, what strengths and weaknesses, um, how that matches up against our guy that's on the mound um, that night, um, guys that we like to may potentially avoid um, if, if a situation is, is – second and third with a base open would maybe walk this guy to pitch to the guy behind him that kind of thing um so it it's um it's some guys are different some guys like to sit there and chat for an hour about who they're facing and some guys want it to be five minutes long and, and just tell me um what not to do to each guy and, and so it's that's it's fun for me to kind of go through those i've always been a guy that that likes all the information. Give me, give me every bit of information I possibly can have, and let me filter it. Um, and other guys are different, but uh, it's 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 a fun it's a fun part of the game for me. It's the kind of the game within the game cliche that you hear all the time. You know, we as fans and spectators talk about Wrigley Tucker. Tucker Barnhart's our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. We talk about Wrigley Field 
and the challenges like in the corners. Like Andre Dawson was a great player, but he was a great player for the Cubs because he figured out the angles in right field at Wrigley, which are different than other parks. We as fans talk about that stuff, but do players yeah definitely uh we there we'll have a um we have a ton of meetings every, every day it's almost it becomes um a little annoying at times just because you want to get out there and play but there are certain things that you obviously have to talk about uh going to fenway park for example we before every before every series that you play in fenway you kind of the uh whether you talk about it as a team or at just with the outfielders Typically, it's everybody because base running obviously comes into play um, when you're talking about weird angles and weird walls and, and scoreboards and different things. Um, but yeah, it's talked about. It's talked about often. Uh, Pittsburgh comes to mind um, in left center out by the bullpen. They have this weird little triangle area. Obviously, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field is one of them. Um, but yeah, you, the, there are I would say half of the ballparks that are pretty standard and straightforward, and you don't talk about them. But I would say the other half half has a, a uniqueness to the outfield that, that you talk about from a defensive standpoint and you also talk about it from an offensive standpoint when it comes to base running and such you know what's funny tucker and this is literally the only area where our professional lives would have anything in common at all perhaps but <laughs> um so i do play-by-play for indycar races right i go to the different races and call the races and more often than not, I can't remember. People will ask me about, oh, you know, this race at this track. And I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Then I get to the track, I see the track, and I can instantly remember everything that happened the year before. Does that happen to you from a playing standpoint where, like, if you were to be asked about a certain ballpark, you're like, yeah, I don't remember the angle. And then you get there and you're like, oh, yeah, now I totally remember the, the different nuances of this park. Does that happen at all? Yeah, for sure. I think it comes. I, I think it comes in, in different in in different ways. I guess you could have potentially. Uh, you could remember a ballpark by by a great play that you made. Uh, you can you remember it by a, a terrible play that you made or terrible decision that you made, and then you can you remember a park just kind of by the by the uniqueness or or the atmosphere or whatever. But it definitely does. I, I think that, that I'll always remember every little thing about. Um, progressive field in cleveland because i i caught a no hitter there a couple of years ago and so it's just it's things like that that kind of come to mind um i'll always remember san francisco and and the way that the ballpark the way that the, um, the wall and right field is and how hard the ball comes off because i got thrown out there a few years ago by what felt like a hundred steps trying to lay out a double um <laughs> that i should have stayed at first so it, it you definitely definitely remember um it, right away when you walk onto a field if you don't remember it um beforehand you definitely will when you get there last one for me tucker and again tucker barnhart with us here on the payless liquors hotline getting ready to report for spring training here uh in the month of february um obviously you are a huge colts fan you are a huge pacers fan i'll let you pick either or whether you want to share some thoughts on the colts head coaching search and or the pacers season and the uh, recent miles turner contract extension uh, care to share any thoughts on either? Well, first and foremost, I want to know how the um, what the the progress on the Matherin statue is uh, on your behalf in well, front of Cambridge. Uh, yes. I'm actually heading down to Bloomington later today for a limestone meeting, so we we, we, we got to make sure we got some premium <laughs> premium materials on that front. But uh, five straight, I believe, off the bench, over 20 points or more for Mr. Matherin. So uh, thank you for asking about that. The update's no going doubt. great. 
I love I love watching them play, man. I think they, um, in, in for for the first time, in my opinion, in the, in the last couple of years, they they're extremely exciting to watch play. Um, I'm I'm on the I'm in the Miles Turner camp. I'm I'm happy that he's here. Um, I I'm I'm pumped that that a guy and I, I I mean I know firsthand how hard it is for a guy to stay in one spot for a long time. It's not easy, especially in this day and age. And I think that you can hear it in his voice, in my opinion, on how much he like he he loves Indianapolis and uh, being from here, being a Pacer fan for pretty much my entire life. I love to hear that, and I'm pumped that, that, that he's a part of the, the organization for the next next couple of years and hopefully moving forward. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoy watching him play. It's, uh, it's for the first time in a while, like I said, it's, in my opinion, kind of must-watch TV, and so I, I check him out as much as I possibly can. I won't get into the other thing. I have some pretty strong opinions <laughs> about the other, the other organization, but I'll just, I'm going to keep it there. Save those for our text message. <laughs> By the way, are there fewer catchers that have caught a no-hitter than there are pitchers that have thrown one? That is a phenomenal question. Um, because I would think I, there are. I mean, there are guys that caught, you know, more than one, right? But 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 then again, one would think that like Nolan. I don't know Nolan Ryan. Did he throw of his seven no hitters? Were they to seven different catchers? I mean, there had to have been repeats in there, right? I would think so. I would think that there just it, it would make sense to me that that there would be less catchers right like that's more so in other words you're in a more exclusive fraternity than say nolan ryan or roy halliday or those guys are right i i, I think i mean it would make sense yeah so and, and you cool. caught whose <laughs> wade miley that's pretty awesome have you been close yeah, uh, how, how deep into a game have you been with the perfect game oh man um Let's see. That that's a great question. I I don't know. I would assume that it ha- it was probably because um, Wade Wade doesn't walk guys. He's like on the very 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 low end of of walk walk percentage. I, I think in the major leagues or in, throughout his career. So I would assume that it's that that it was that night. Um, but I don't know exactly when in the game it was. How, how I was thinking early, like early in your career, you and Mike Leak going six innings or something with a, with a perfect game. I don't know. I could be off on that. We, I had one. I caught my I caught Mike in Philly one time where you get the you get these feelings where you start to you start to kind of feel it a little bit you, mm-hmm. whether the the pitcher has like his his A stuff or whatever. You're getting just a bunch of early weak contact. Um, and so I, I think that sounds right. We were in Philadelphia, and I, I do remember having what felt like one of those nights, and I believe it was like into the fifth inning. So I would assume it's either that night or uh, or the one with Wade. That's for sure. Who's the most talkative guy when he comes to bat? Like you know, that's always like, "Hey, man, what's up?" And like wants to chat, and you're like, "Look, dude, I got a job to do here." <laughs> there's a guy named There's a guy named Brad Miller. So the uh, the he's been around for for a while, and uh, the PA announcer in Cincinnati has a uniqueness to his way that he would announce my name. And uh, every time, it doesn't matter where I am, it doesn't matter who he's playing for or with, every time he comes to the plate or he sees me, he tries to announce my name exactly like the PA announcer (laughs) in Cincinnati. And it just is like, uncle man i mean i've heard this is the 50th time you've done this let's come on <laughs> well he's with he's with the rangers i think Literally now right than jake would do so unless there's interleague play he, he's not gonna be able to do it this year right <laughs> i hope not <laughs> i like the guy a lot like he's a good dude i enjoy talking to him but man it's, just, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a lot a lot so when is the uh when's the departure date again 
I'm leaving on Saturday. So uh, I, uh, I've been conveniently waiting for uh, a car shipping service to get to my house. He's now an hour and 45 minutes late. Yeah. So we're, uh, it's throwing a little bit of a wrench into my morning. <laughs> well, safe travels. Um, obviously, the time change will put a little bit of a wrench into our conversations. But uh, congrats on joining Chicago. I think, you know, just as a sports fan, that's got to be pretty darn cool to play in that ballpark on a daily basis. So enjoy what Mesa's offering you and uh, have a healthy season, man. I appreciate it, guys. I listen every morning. Uh, me and my oldest son do, actually. So I uh, love listening to you guys, and uh, I'll be listening as much as I can when I'm out in Arizona. Thanks, Tucker. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks. That is Tucker Barnhart right there. Year 10, Jake. It's kind of crazy to think. Tucker and I are similar ages. I'm like, God, that dude has been in the major leagues for 10 years. But the Chicago Cubs, sounds like him and Jan Gomes will kind of share catching duties there. and. They've had a busy offseason. Brad Miller, by the way, a career 237 hitter with 122 home runs in his career. Pretty consistent been... rebounder, though, in the NBA. That's right. Unfortunately for Tucker, uh, the Cubs play the Rangers at the start of April. Are you so serious? Just cursed off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's like, oh, no. <laughs> now, Mark, okay. it's been a busy offseason up the middle for the Cubs. It is, yeah. Nancy Swanson, re- obviously. Rehauling uh, the roster after shipping everybody off. So, yeah, should be a fun season for the Cubs, I think. And I do, I mean, I get there's obviously teams that are certainly better than the Reds, but I do feel like the Central is somewhat up for grabs. I, I don't yeah. know if the Cubs would qualify as a serious contender. Uh, we certainly know the Reds are not that, but always look forward to a little bit of baseball. Cardinals, Brewers, still probably the favorites, but Cubs could be Cardinals, there. Cardinals, man, they just don't. They're like Bowser on Super Mario Brothers. You can't kill them. Literally. Yeah. Literally. You always think so, and you can't get it done. So thank you to Tucker Barnhart for that. If you missed it, that'll be up on the podcast. We had Jeremiah Johnson on a little bit earlier. Pop quiz coming up in a few minutes. Until then, let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with Ball State. Take it on Bowling Green tonight. That game over in Ohio. Cards coming at 14-7. and 7, Bowling Green at 10-11. and 11. That's a 7 o'clock tip. Just after that game, Indiana will be tipping off right around the same time, 9 o'clock in Maryland to take on the Terrapins. Indiana coming in with a five-game win streak. And Maryland... Coached by a guy who is a big fan of Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis. He's the best player in the country right now. What makes him tough? It's such a tough cover. I, I don't think we have enough time. He's that good. I mean, they just post him up on the left block, and you got to try to stop him. And nobody, no, I don't, no one's figured it out. And I'll be honest, I, I haven't figured it out yet. I think he's more dominant than Zach Eady, and that's saying something. Um, because he he gets everyone else shots. <clears throat> He's a willing passer. He's an unbelievable rebounder. He pushes the ball up in transition. Uh, he's really, really tough in the mid-post area. He's almost impossible if he posts up in the middle of the lane. He is an unbelievable shot blocker. He's a very, very good defender. I mean, he's. I, I think over the last five games, he's scoring almost at an 82% clip on the right block. That's against the best defenses and the best coaches in college basketball. He's just... I mean, they have they have very good players top to bottom, but he is the best college basketball player right now. 
That is Maryland head coach Kevin Willard. Terrapins coming at 14-7. and seven. They are 5-5 five and five in the Big Ten. Mark, remember when we had a training camp Jimmy call in and call it Trace Jackson Davis, Bill Russell? Yep. That was what Kevin Willard pretty much oh, said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Uh, Two-and-a-half point underdog Indiana tonight. Again, Maryland, been good at home, bad on the road in the Big Ten. Haven't really beat anybody of note, though, at home in the Big Ten. So just an important one for Indiana with their recent really impressive play leading into Saturday. Uh, Jake, yesterday over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it was Miles Turner putting pen to paper on a renegotiation for this year and a contract extension for the next two years. Miles Turner will, if he plays out that contract through 2025, he'll be 29 years old. That'll be a decade here with the Pacers. Here was Miles yesterday on really having one of the longer tenures we've seen for the Pacers in quite some time. Still very surreal. You know, growing up here, I spent my entire, you know, my entire 20s here, and it's uh, it's incredible, man, just to still see the same faces, you know, at the beginning of my journey. I have such a strong belief in this organization, in this city, and um, what the city encompasses. And that's a huge factor in my decision to stay here. You know, KP said it. Uh, I'm just getting started, man. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm just getting started. I'm starting to feel, you know, like the best version of myself, and the, or the best version of myself is yet to come. And I'm just leveling up each and every day. Uh, Pacers Thursday night at the Fieldhouse to take on the Los Angeles Lakers, who last night lost to the Nets, 121-104. Luka Doncic, 53 last night yeah, for Lakers, Dallas. Kings, back-to-back Thursday, Friday. Uh, just a quick Super Bowl note. Again, a week from Sunday, it'll be in Arizona. Uh, good news if we're looking for an entertaining game. The last two Super Bowls in Arizona. Malcolm Butler, interception of Russell Wilson in 2015. And in 2008, that would be David Tyree. Really? And it's caught by Tyree. (laughs) Great call. Was that the Joe Buck call? Yeah. Uh, We've got Fox, right? Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson. Yep. Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi on the call coming up a week from Sunday. All right, our next call will be taking one from you. That'll be the pop quiz. Coming up here on... That was a smooth segue there. Kevin Aquari, yeah, we really got it. You edit that for my resume. Do you remember those segues? Is that a thing anymore? Update that for my LinkedIn. I feel like we struggle there. The little motorized cart things. Those those kind of... Yeah, outside of mall cops. Yeah, those those kind of went away. You definitely see those. I'm like, are those people going to wreck? I kind of (laughs) wouldn't mind if one of them fell just to kind of (laughs) see Okay. Uh, We'll see if the pop quiz turns into that. 317-239-1070. So, Jake, out of curiosity... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Steve. Went out to fill up my water during the break and thought to myself, wow, I wonder how much it costs to ship a car. The Tucker Barnhart saying he's shipping his car mm-hmm. out to Arizona for spring training. So I put in my 2016 Honda Civic. 
Don't think Tucker's driving that, by the right. way. Uh, Indy to Arizona, what do you think? So they Indy, they Indy to Phoenix. They're slapping that on the back of one of those big car carriers, right? You know, at first I thought to myself, is someone driving it? And then I'm like, no, they, they're certainly transporting it like that. Uh, how much you guys think? 2800 bucks. Mark? Five grand. I was going to guess along your guys' lines, 1100 bucks. Oh, that's not eleven forty five. That's not bad, actually. Door to door service, open car carrier, no hidden fees, twenty four seven online tracking. No hidden fees. You got to love the online tracking. We're lost here on Route forty six. <laughs> We're in Peru, Nebraska, going to watch the Bobcats play. I do wonder, like the efficiency of that. You know, like, are you picking up other cars on the way? Well, that's where the whole the road trip that I do with my buddy Byron every year, when our friend. Turhan left his he passed away and left his car to his parents and his dad didn't trust the car the shipping, services. Yeah. And you guys drove yeah. So we drove. flew down and got his car for him and drove it back. It was if you it's gotta be less, obviously, if there are probably companies also that will drive your car to you, right? I, I would think so. I mean obviously the nicer the car, the more the more that matter. That'd be an awesome I'm sure job. you'd want it how he's doing it though on the carrier. You don't want racking up miles and gas. What's the point of that then? Right. What a gig that'd be, though. Like, yeah, I got to pick yeah. up some guy's Ferrari and drive mm-hmm. it to him in Florida. Yeah, I okay. got this Bowen dude that wants his Honda Civic. Can you imagine that? <laughs> well, good, At least good get gas great, mileage. Great mileage. Right? Uh, all right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Jake, a number one through a on what appears to be a heavy NBA begin to this pop quiz. Uh, NBA, they play four quarters, so we'll go with number four. So we had two Tims yesterday. Today we have two Steves. No. Oh. This is this is I think a Steve that Kevin can enjoy because the other Steve I think you have a little bit of a rivalry. Uh, it, it goes up and down. Okay. Well, this is Steve number two. It's like Notre Dame basketball. Hi, Steve. Good get. morning. Good morning. Oh, I don't think this is the Steve. Steve, you no, sound like a nice fellow, Steve. That have you called the program before, Steve? Um, I have one time when uh, you were with your partner back about eight years ago. So not this show. So you haven't called in the morning. You called when I was actually Correct. awake. Okay. So, Steve, if you don't mind me asking if we can play Get to Know Your Listener, we've had a lot of success with this. It's a wildly popular segment. Uh, how old a fellow are you, Steve? Uh, 36. 36-year-old 36 Steve. Okay. That would have put you in the graduating class of high school somewhere around, uh, I'm trying to think here, 18 years ago. So 2005, somewhere in there? Yes, sir. 2005. Okay. And, and that was what school? Um, I'm actually born and bred in Detroit. Okay, um, and so, and Detroit what's Texas. the what's the name of the uh, gal that brought you to or or you know job or whatnot that brought you to Indianapolis? Uh, I'm a Boilermaker alum. Oh, okay. here we go. Boiler up. Boiler up. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. And and you enjoy uh, now. Let me ask you this: When you were growing up as a kid in the Detroit area, uh, Pistons, Red Wings, Tigers, and Lions, which one was your favorite? Tigers. Still today. Okay. Steve, for my son, Max, if Max were to grow up and be a basketball player one day, what Purdue basketball player should I hope Max plays like? Matt Painter. Ooh. <laughs> How about that one? Just throwing lobs to Glitter Robinson, making the highlight reels. I was going to say Chris That's Kramer. Uh, Kramer was, he, he's a pretty VA guy, man. Still out there uh, out east, I think, across the pond. A little little bulldog action. Uh, Tucker Barnhart chimes in, says um, renting the car would cost two thousand more than shipping. 
renting oh. it. What do you mean? Renting a car for the whole time he, he'd be out there. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Interesting on the finances. He um, could have just driven himself down. That's what I'd do. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, dr- drive down. Drive down to Phoenix. Yeah, a little why bit not? different than driving to Bloomington. Clear on your head a little game. bit, man. Get your own music going. Steve, how many IU-Purdue games you've been to in your life? Maybe five. Okay. Will you try to be in the building either in Bloomington or Mackey this year? Uh, I would love to, but I will be unfortunately not able to attend. I work weekends, so this Saturday is out of the question. I right. saw the cheapest ticket for Saturday. It was like three, four hundred. dollars something. I love Somebody it. said five fifty, and I, I I went on StubHub and I'm like, okay, here's one for two fifty. Well, there's fees, and they're not three hundred dollars of the fees. You do sit the pricey. top row of the balcony at Assembly Hall. You also have to sign a waiver That's of right. your life That's that right. year. It cost. It also it takes forty five minutes to get up there. <laughs> Take gauze for the nosebleed. Yeah. Steve, uh, would you like for me? That would be Jake to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin to get you underway here? Uh, go ahead, Jake. Okay, here we go. Luka Doncic scored 53... Don't overthink this answer, okay? Luka Doncic scored 53 points as the Mavericks beat your Pistons last night. It was the fifth 50-point game in Doncic's five-year NBA career. Since the NBA-ABA merger in the mid-70s, only one other player has recorded more 50-point games over his first five seasons. Is it Jordan, LeBron, James Harden, or Kobe? Uh, number 23, that is the former uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. Steve all over that one. Now, number two, name the player moved into the NBA's top 10 in career assists last night. James Harden, LeBron James, Kyle Lowry, or Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook. Steve. Question number three for you, Steve. Who is the NBA's all-time leader in career assists? Jason Kidd, John Stockton, Steve Nash, or Oscar Robertson? John Stockton. Some opinions on the vaccine, if I remember correctly, Mr. Stockton did. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Steve, great start. It's the Pro Bowl skills decided to pass, is that what you're saying? This weekend in Las Vegas. Name the last Indianapolis Colt to be named Pro Bowl MVP. A, Peyton Manning. B, Reggie Wayne. C, Luke Rhodes. Or D, Dwight Franey. I'm going to go with... Freeney. Way outside the box on that one. Not a lot of sacks in the Pro Bowl these days. Uh, Jake, you want to throw number five? Question number five. On this day in 1920, Joe Malone and the Quebec Bulldogs set an NHL record by scoring seven goals in a game against the Toronto St. Pats. His record still stands 103 years later. Who was the last NHL player and probably the least known name on this list? to score six goals in a game. A, Mario Lemieux. B, Wayne Gretzky. C, Daryl Sittler. Or D, Red Berenson. Go with C. Look at that. All right, Steve, I got a little game for you here, okay? All right. You've got to bet on Purdue playing a game in the month of April this season. If you're right, you get a million dollars. If you're wrong, you have to spend three weeks in jail. What are you doing? Um, I'm probably going to uh, bet that they're going to be playing in April. Look at that. That's great fandom. (laughs) I love that, Steve. I love that. Uh, Impressive effort, Jake, by him on the pop quiz. Definitely so. Uh, Michael Jordan was correct in question number one. Yeah, Russell Westbrook. John Stockton, the all-time career assist leader. 
Uh, he got five right. Uh, C. Uh, Correcto. So it came down to number four. The last Indianapolis Colt to be named Pro Bowl MVP. I did think this was an interesting guess considering how the Pro Bowl I don't think has ever been a defensive game. Dwight Freeney was not correct. Marshall Falk was an MVP, but 10 years after that, the most recent one, Peyton Manning. Green after junior in high school. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> we may do it from the car tomorrow. Well, I'll take a page out of your book, and we'll do some uh, we'll school drop-off picks, and I'll get on the phone with... Uh, with Jake and Ke- and um, and um, um, who am I missing? What am I missing? Kevin, am Kevin I, Bowen, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Inquiry, Kevin. yes, yeah, it's, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Mark's a fan of that one, right? Uh, by the way, I just got you this want to text. Provide some context around that one, guys. This is Will Haskett forgetting who you I've, were for with, a with JMV though. With JMV, yeah, guys. Tucker ain't doing open car. His car is probably inside an air conditioned cabin. It's very pricey. Okay. Again, I thought eleven hundred. Yeah, eleven hundred. I, 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 I don't care if my car is open or not. Yeah. I, 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 I'm looking I hate, up these Pro Bowl. I hate MVP. when I have to tell Scotty that he writes something on the board and I can't read it because of the glares. Yeah, I'm looking at Pro Bowl MVPs. Boy, before yeah, they've now gone offense and defense. Yes. Yeah, but before 2013, I see D'Angelo Hall on here. I see Derek Brooks, and I think that's the only defensive MVP in like 20 years. D'Angelo Hall was the fastest man in the NBA or in the NFL, wasn't he? Wasn't that like his? Selling feature was he? He wasn't Vatech, was he? Yeah, that, that, I think that's right. Yeah, Virginia Tech. God, Brandon Marshall. Remember when Brandon Marshall had like thirty catches in a game here at Lucas Oil? Yeah. Uh, Marshall Falk had a great. I remember that was Marshall Falk was still playing when the Pro Bowl actually had some semblance of football to it, and it was like holy cow, he had like a hundred yard game, and you know, in the Pro Bowl, da da da. I mean, the video of Sean Taylor hitting that punter in the Pro Bowl is one of the funniest <laughs> things you'll ever see. <laughs> Hey, man, don't step on the field if hey, you're not ready to play. If you're going to run a fake, be ready. That's right. What's going to happen here? All right, we'll do one final time. Kevin and Corey. Kevin, I'm going to ask you a question to round out the show today, and Mark as well, that has nothing to do with the world of sports. Okay. You ready? Yeah. That's kind of what the 945 segment usually is, right? <laughs> That's right. It's kind of a hard question now because we live in a different world where you know nobody buys music anymore, right? I mean, you remember when you would buy CDs or borrow a CD or you know, now you just obviously got Apple Music or Spotify or you know whatever. Um but tell me the musician that you will take downloading out of it. But tell me the musical act, be it an artist or a band, that you most enjoy, but you've never actually given a dollar to. You've never paid to see them in concert. You you don't actively seek out their stuff, but you're like, yeah, they're cool. I like them. Oh, that's a great question. Um, boy, I'd have to think on that one, Mark. You and I have similar musical taste, right, Mark? Because aren't you like Oasis a lot, I'm right? Pull yeah. up my uh, my Spotify here and take a look. I mean, I've got like four thousand songs, so it's kind of a difficult. So bands I like, but I don't really like just bands like... that you're like, you know what? Or, or I guess here's another way of saying it: Tell me a musical artist that is is ubiquitous amongst your life soundtrack, but yet like it's you never meet anybody that lists that as their favorite band or artist. 
You know, like like Oasis, you hear people that are like, oh man, I love Oasis, or I love, I love Eminem. Foo Fighters, I, I, I love Eminem. Yeah. I love Eminem, never seen Eminem. And again, downloading music, Jake, just for yeah, my generation has just turned illegal, to- legal. Yeah, totally get it. Like, I'll, I'll give you one. Here's one that has had hit songs and, and well-known stuff for the better part of my adulthood, but I've never met anybody that's like, when you say, like, who's your favorite artist? Or, you know, that they're going to see in concert. Lenny Kravitz. Like, I've never had anybody like, oh, man, like, we are going this weekend to go, or I'm going out to Vegas to see Lenny Kravitz. But he's cool, right? I enjoy Imagine Dragons. Never seen them. You like them too, don't you, Mark? They're okay. Black Keys. That's a good one. That's a really good one. We hear them during the Blackhawks games. That's true. Lumineers. Do you guys like the Lumineers? Yeah, I've seen them. Shannon's a big fan of the Lumineers. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Now, what's the worst concert you've ever been to? And by that, I I mean, there are two ways to look at this. Yeah, Macklemore was drunk one time at um, Klipsch. Pretty bad? Yeah. But they got great beat to the music, so and Kesha was there, and I love Kesha. Who's the Who's the artist that you've seen in concert that you're embarrassed that people knew you went? Well, a lot of people probably say Kesha, but I've seen Kesha a couple times now. I saw Barry Manilow. That probably <laughs> that's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> I was I Barry Manilow actually. I'll give I'll give him this much. I was I was working at Channel Six. I was Barry walking. called Jake on stage. <laughs> I was walking out of work one day. It was a summer night. Susan Batten, Sarah Fraden, and I think Jennifer Carmack. I'm like, where are you guys going? They're like, we're going to Barry Manilow right now. We're on our way to Deer Creek. Like, we have an extra ticket. You want to go? I'm like, I'll go. And so I go there. We we I, I'm one of the ten percent of the males in the audience. Barry Manilow comes out. He's like doing his introductory thing, and he says. Now, there are some guys in the audience, right? If you're a guy, stand up. And so, like, the 150 guys stand up, myself included, and he's like, I just want you to look around at the fact that there are 150 men that are desperate to do anything to get some action. <laughs> I'm like, well, good for <laughs> wasn't me, per se. But, That's a great line. But, but you know, he, he like, he knew he was kind of a – he almost paradised himself, you know what I mean? I, I think I've said this to you before, like – I have found, and I don't know, maybe age qualifies or leads to some of this. I find myself just going to concerts that even if I don't love that person, act, etc., and like you know, Maddie's kind of coaxed me into it. I just have such an appreciation totally. for, for entertainers. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I mean, that's I, and I wasn't craft. that way twenty years ago. Yeah, like that's their craft. Obviously, when you're in high school, it's more like, oh, let's go to hang out with friends, yeah. and you know, you don't even care. The but. big summer concerts when I was in high school, and they were already like an old band by then, so spare the jokes. Every summer, like the Steve Miller band concert was a big thing. Man, we're going to Steve Miller. I realize now, like Dave Matthews, Dave people Matthews, love going to that. Times a million. I, I think I've mentioned on this show before. A couple of years ago, we went to the State Fair. I was stunned. They get some pretty decent acts at the free stage at the State Fair. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, And I'm not like a fan of this musician per se, but we went to the State Fair and got out of the car, and and Shannon's like, that sounds like Melissa Etheridge. And I'm like, there's no way Melissa Etheridge is playing at the Indiana State Fair on the free stage. And we walked over, and they had just started, and it was, in fact, Melissa Etheridge. And we watched 90% of the show, and I was like... There are some people that you just understand why they do what they do because you're like, 
she was she sounded amazing. It was an unbelievable concert, and I'm not like a huge fan. And I'm like, it was just, it was fabulous. I'd like to get over to White River this summer. Uh, that's something Great. I did not Have you do been last since year. they've done the renovation? No, and I remember uh, you, you saying it was pretty it's nice unbelievable. I mean, it's like state. I mean, obviously it's state of the art, but it is beautiful. Uh, we mentioned this earlier in the show. The Colts head coaching search shifting a little bit into kind of the offensive. Guys, so Shane Steichen, the Philly offense coordinator, also calls the plays. Again, Nick Sirianni got about halfway through year one and said, this is too much. Handed those duties off to Shane Steichen. He's done it for the last year and a half. Um, He will be reportedly having a second interview. I think the report was that will be in Philadelphia, which makes sense with the Eagles getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, And then Brian Callahan, the Bengals offense coordinator, sounded like potentially uh, reporting – Reportedly for a second interview with Indy on Wednesday in Arizona on Thursday. You know one so thing? We do have updates on the website for those, 1075thefan.com. Got some written updates on each of these second head coaching candidates. Do you have a feel on who you think they're leaning? Um, I, I do know that Raheem Morris is certainly a guy that they are very intrigued by. I think these offensive names... Um, are, are a couple that I'll be watching for. And I know we poked fun at it a little bit earlier, but if you talk leader, if you talk of Bruce Arians, you know, a guy like Rich Passaccia, potentially even a Wink Martindale, I do think those guys would impress Jim Irsay and Chris Bauer. Jeff Saturday is a candidate, which again, I think things have cooled a little bit. Jeff Saturday is a candidate because they love his leadership. So wouldn't that mean they would be looking for leadership in other candidates? Yeah. So I just think it's something you have to keep in mind. It does sound like this Denver opening has turned a bit like new ownership group, new president. A little bit of kind of awkward thing. Broncos fans are not too happy with how things have unfolded with this search. And we have what? Looks like three openings left, assuming D'Amico Ryan's to Houston. Is Sean Payton going back to Fox? He said 70% chance he would be. Denver, Arizona, Indy left, assuming D'Amico Ryan's to the Texans. I mean... Well, Ryan's informed that he's not going to the Broncos. He's already told them that. So... I I think there are some whispers, and Jake, I know you you mentioned this a couple days, I don't know, hell, probably over a week ago by now. Some people still think Jim Harbaugh to Denver. Really? They have not ruled it out. I mean, you imagine being a Michigan fan. Harbaugh's just an odd dude, man. How much? He's probably seen some concerts in his day. There was, there was definitely outreach to Harbaugh. Correct. I, I do not know that for sure. Again, I I felt like a lot of the Harbaugh stuff was agent driven. I was also curious how much the Chris Ballard presence would play into. Things. If you missed it, Jeremiah Johnson, Tucker Barnhart. That'll be up on the podcast coming up here in less than an hour. Everybody have a great Tuesday. Again, a little chilly, but looks like a nice day outside. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on Kevin and Corey.